Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas, my co-host Jamal Thomas will join me shortly. You're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? And you're listening to us on 98.5 WJYN and UptownRadioAffiliate.org, live on YouTube within a few minutes, and online music radio box. We are listening, are listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. And it is a very cloudy fall, summer, I, I, I don't well, we're nearing the end of summer. Everyone's first week of school f- for a bunch of kids going back to school. Teachers are back doing their lesson plans. However, we're still keeping busy with sports. Sports is nonstop, 365 a year. We're going to talk about the Phillies hot streak. We're going to talk about breaking down each division of the AFC conference this year. I got my boy Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative calling in the top of the 7 o'clock p.m. hour here on the East Coast, and we're going to be doing a little tribute to Bray Wyatt, who unfortunately passed away um, last week at the very young age of 36. My condolences is with with his wife, his kids, and the rest of his family, 36 years old. That is a incredibly too young for you to lose your life. And if you want to call to join the discussion, the number is to join in is 215-763-9596. And we're going to start the show off a little differently. You know, we're going to start it off with with one of the hottest teams in baseball, not named the Atlanta Braves. We know Braves fans. We get it. You're the best team in the National League. We get it. But we're going to start off with some highlights from yesterday's game. Um between a best of three series between the Philadelphia Phillies and hosting Shohei Otani and the Angels of Anaheim, who are currently now 63-69, still trying to make a significant uh, massive comeback to try to uh, keep their postseasons alive in a very tough and treacherous American League wildcard picture. Let's play some highlights with the. Let's play some highlights of of, of yesterday's game, uh, as of right now. As he stands in, two and two, and there's a rocket up the middle, a base hit for Shohei. He stayed on this real well. That balance is so good. So the first two Angels are on against Taiwan Walker, who typically struggles early in games. He went around, and there's the first out. And that's and that's huge. Popped it up. Shallow right center field. Stotts out. He's under it. Infield fly rule is called. Renifo's been red hot. He has a chance to give the Angels the early lead here. Renifo with a hard hit ball. It's through the right side. A base hit. Shadowell's being waved around. Castellanos with his throw to the plate. It's on the way, and it is not in time. Shadowell with a head first dive. Gets past Real Muto. It's a base hit for Renifo. And a 1-0 lead for the Angels. The Angels have the lead. So another three true out. Turner at 253 for the year. 15 home runs, 51 runs batted in. Fly ball left and boom, there it is. Going back the wall. It is Safe to gone. say that the $300 million Trey Turner that the Phillies have signed in the offseason is officially here. And it's safe to say that Bryce Harper has officially gotten his power back as well. He homered in every single game in the Giants series and then just had an absolute two-run blast yesterday to tie the game up. Left field, that one's going to go. 
And then Trey Turner, once again, does it with a second home run. After that, they take the lead, and they do not relinquish it. Really excellent to see, you know. Good defense, good rotations, good, good solid pitching. Bullpen looks like it's absolutely coming together. And especially at the bottom, when it comes to the bottom of the order, they're getting a lot of good production in the bottom of the order, whether it's Johan Rojas, Jake Cave, uh, Brandon Marsh, Bryson Stott, who has been able to nearly hit, whether it's in the top of the lineup or, you know, in the middle of the order or the bottom of the order. It's just absolutely – he's the guy's just stone, stone cold legitimate hitter, and you absolutely love to see it. That being said, game two is tonight. And hopefully the streak will be able to continue. Gonna play um, the end of these highlights and then we're just gonna continue, then we're just gonna move on. Fly ball right field. Castellanos going back. And now two outs as Ohapi's retired. Bouncer out to shortstop. Nice, comfortable hop for Trey Turner. And he goes to second, side is retired. One run scores for the Angels. They get three hits. They leave a couple more. And Ball will pull into second base. He's got his 24th double of the year. Well, this would be a huge insurance run for the Phillies. Marsh today is one for three. He's extended his hitting streak to a career-high 10 games. Sharply to second. Off the glove of Drury into shallow right field. Here comes Ball. RBI single for Marsh. And the Phillies lead it six to four. Craig Kimbrell is going to come on for his 58th game of the year. He's 20 for 22 in save opportunities. He's only had three save opportunities uh, here in the month of August. Opposite way, Castellanos is over to the spot, makes the catch. Ooh, that's huge. Fly ball, right center field. It's not deep. Galloping in is Castellanos. So is Rojas, and Rojas makes the catch. Tapper out towards shortstop. Appropriate. Turner's got it. Throws off balance. Low hop. Scooped up by Bryce Harper at first. They win it six to four on a night where Trey Turner hit a couple home runs with his team. They are evolving into something that was starting to be pretty special last offseason. And it's turned into something even better this year. Yep. And it is continuing to evolve into something special. The Phils are definitely well in control of the first wild card spot they are officially four games up which now uh four games up of uh, the chicago cubs who also has been surging throughout the last 10 games winning seven out of their last 10. so if the series were to if the season were to end today they would host the cubs in a three-game series to decide who would face the braves off in the best of five in the nlds And the Diamondbacks would go ahead and face the winner of the NL Central, which as of right now, it's looking like it's going to be the Milwaukee Brewers. And the winner of that will go to face the L.A. Dodgers in a best of seven series, I mean, best of five series in the NLDS. The Phils are doing absolutely everything right at the right time. They are they're getting timely hits. They are... Unfortunately, they've been giving up early leads, but the way this offense has been consistently hitting, they have been getting timely hits. They've been getting runners on base. They're not just depending on just power bats and just a long ball anymore. 
They are getting solid, consistent hits. Ali Baum and Bryce Stott have definitely been the two biggest bright spots of the Phillies so hard. Like I said, the bottom of the order has been definitely been has definitely been a, a massive bright spot in terms of getting offense. It's not just the high-paid guys; it's been everybody, and more importantly, the pitching has been has definitely been getting to turn the corner. Zach Wheeler has been. Really good this year. Aaron Nola, although with his struggles, you know, leading the National League in home runs, but he had a really good uh, seven inning, no uh, no runs given up against the against the San Francisco Giants the other day. Uh, the bullpen has definitely been turning itself around. Jose Alvarado has been absolutely has been absolutely key as well. Uh, Kev Kringle has been you know giving up his twentieth save of the season so far. So everything has been lining up perfectly for the Phillies so far. You know, a team that looked like has been struggling at the start. You know, they obviously missed Bryce Harper for nearly that first month, but Bryce coming back from that UCL injury uh, a lot earlier than a lot of people expected to be. You know, he's been, you know, hitting for contact, and now you're slowly seeing, you know, the power is now slowly coming back to Bryce's bat. You know, obviously we still got power from Kyle Schroeder, even though he's hitting well below the Mendoza line, which I'm sorry, I get it. There are, he's got on pace to hit 40 home runs, have 100 RBIs at the leadoff spot, batting under 200. <laughs> I get it. it. It it works. Rob Thompson's lineup, it doesn't make that much sense to me, but in real time, in terms of getting results and getting wins, it works. Castellanos has been an all-star this year. Rimuto has been, I don't want to, he's just been okay. I'm not going to, he's been pretty steady. But, but when you look at the National League, it looks like it's been the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers, and then it's just like everybody else. But the Phillies have once again, they were the last team in that wild card picture last year, and they turned the, they turned up the heat when it mattered the most, you know, in October. And if this team could continue on, you know, all the hands on deck with the experience they got last year from being in the postseason, you know, learning from their mistakes, uh, being able to pitch in big moments, being able to get hits in big moments, then this is a team that can definitely best the Braves on a five-game series. But then again, the Braves have definitely been absolutely on a – legitimate tear. They look like the absolute favorite to win it all this year, and justifiably so. Ronald Acuna has been on an MVP pace, and you now see that now that he's fully back, you know, from that torn from that torn ACL uh, that he suffered two years ago, the, the, the power's back, the fielding is back, you know, just an absolute stud. You know, their pitching has just been an absolute unit, but but let's also look at the American League also. Like, the biggest turnaround of the, the the season it has to be the Baltimore Orioles at eighty two and forty nine. They have been a great team. They are just as good as at home as they are on the way. Um, and honestly, I I don't know who saw this coming. If you put down some money at the beginning of the year saying that hey, I think the O's are going to win the uh, American League East with those odds, you're you're probably on pace to make some money if. They'll be able to continue this hot streak because Tampa's on their heels with two and a half games back. And, man, the Yankees have definitely free-falled, you know, with massive injuries. Carlos Rendon 
hasn't been able to really get hasn't been able to get on the field and just some other plethora of injuries it's just been unfortunate but you know like this is but this is good to see you know we're seeing a lot of new fresh blood especially in the American League you know the Baltimore Orioles have been a real good surprise the Tampa Bay Rays you know they were in it last year you know they're they're an offensive force to be reckoned with as well uh Toronto Blue Jays you know they're still well in the mix um, you know the guard, uh, the NL Central, um, the AL Central, probably the worst division out of all out of the entire six divisions. But you know the Minnesota Twins have definitely are leading the pack. I don't see really the Guardians with eight games under five hundred be able to catch them, and the other three teams in that division are massively rebuilding. I think Detroit's going to be really good in a few years. You know, with Spencer Swarkelson and, you know, the other young prospects they get, I, they'll, they'll eventually get there. Uh, Seattle Mariners, you know, they're not, they've been, you know, one of them. They've been, they've been a really fun team to watch. You know, shout out to my boy Julio Rodriguez. Woo! Uh, Texas, you know, all the money they spent on pitching has definitely paid off, especially paid off massive dividends. And then, you know, we can't really sleep on the Houston Astros. You know, the Houston Astros are barely holding on to that last playoff spot uh being up two and a half games but once again when october rolls around and they're in it it doesn't matter if they're the number one seed or just a wild card team in the best of three if that team is fully healthy you know they traded for verlander the deadline uh tucker alvarez altuve those guys know how to get it done get it done in the postseason but anyway, man, I think this fall classic is going to be absolutely fun to watch. You know, the AL, you got a lot of young t- teams who haven't been there in a few years. But it's going to be definitely exciting to finally, you know, see some new t- some new blood. You know, like the Texas Rangers, like the uh, like the Baltimore Orioles haven't been there in, like, years. But it's definitely going to be really exciting to see. And then you go into the National League, you know, the Cubs – who a lot of team a lot of people didn't really make much of their off season moves, but you know my co-host actually called it uh, called it right. You know they signed a lot of one year contracts to a a bunch of uh, pet projects to uh, kind of reconcile, and it's you know definitely turn definitely turned a profit. But you know Diamondbacks are still in it, the Giants are still in it, you know the Cincinnati Reds, you know they're still in it. Uh, two and a half games separate the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Miami Marlins from being that last playoff team in the postseason. And then you got probably one of the biggest disappointments in probably the second biggest disappointment in the National League in the San Diego Padres, especially with how much money that they spent in the past all season in regards to getting trades and, you know, money to, you know, acquire about their offense. And then you got the New York Mets who have absolutely just completely bottomed out. But, well, you know, uh, we've still got two days left before we head into September. And then, you know, that big chase to the postseason is going to be on. It's going to be hot. And it's going to be exciting. Nothing is more exciting than playoff baseball. You absolutely love to see it. And once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 
763-963-9596. And we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to take a quick, like, 60-second uh, break. to, um, And then after that, we're going to try to get we're going to try to see if anybody's going to call in you know give us their prediction for what's going to happen you know in october for the mlb playoffs or we're just going to dive right into talking about the asc team so if you want to call to join in and talk about you talk about the kansas city chiefs chris jones's holdout you want to talk about the, the possibility of baltimore possibly winning the asc north or jacksonville being a dark horse or a team that people don't are are potentially sleeping on the entire ASC. Please give us a call. You're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the run of best four show sports for the culture. And past the diving, Edmund in the right field. One run scores. Two runs score. And the Phillies have come all the way back. And they take a 3 2 lead. is going to lead off of the second inning. Oh, that one's driven deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Harper. It is one nothing Phillies. Popped up. Will Sosa get there? Yes, he will. And the Phillies hold on. They win two nothing, and they will meet the Atlanta Braves in the National League Division Series. Pokes it to right. On comes Castellanos. He lays out and makes the catch. He's turning the world upside down. So first and second with one gone. And it'll bring up Reese Hoskins. Fastball, hit to left. It is long gone. Marsh, the nine hitter, on a 2-2 pitch. He lifts one in the air. Deep right field. There it goes. Marsh comes through. But another crooked inning for the Philadelphia offense. On to face the heart of the lineup, JT Real Muto. The center field. Harris on the move. Still going. Michael Harris can't get there. And Rio Muto can run for days. JT on his way to third. He looks for it inside the corner. And the catcher has won. He has tries one more time. And welcome back to the welcome back to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture on ninety eight point five WJYN. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is two one five seven six three nine five nine six. And 
Man, it's it it's really dang man, it really sucks. We're not gonna see a Reese Haskins home run this October. Yeah, um, man, it feels like the magic's coming back again. Um, I'm super excited. All our guys are really starting to round in the form, specifically offensively, because I'll be honest, I feel like, and I don't know how you maybe feel, the rotation in the bullpen, like, yeah, they've had their up and down moments, I think, throughout either one, but they've been more consistent over the course of the entire 130-something games, I think, well, I guess 140-something games we're at at this point. But the fact that the offense now, it feels like all the guys are coalescing and hitting all at the same time. Like, it's crazy how Nick kind of carried us for most of the season. And maybe he's probably the fourth or fifth hit, fourth or fifth hottest hitter in this lineup right now. Obviously, Swarbrick's power surging. Bryce is looking locked in. Trey looks like Trey again. Um, you know, it's just like it's awesome for me to see. Um, this team coming together when, you know, you were kind of worried at the beginning of the year with Bryce being out and then, you know, missing Segura, who you and I very, both very much love but understood why bringing in Trey was made sense for the future. Um, Stott's been awesome. Alex's been awesome. Nick was awesome this year. Shout out to him bouncing back. Um, JT's been JT, man, best catcher in baseball, BCIB for a reason. Um, we're just locked in for the home stretch, man. Guys are playing great. Bats jumping out. The bank is rocking. Um, I want Houston, man. Bring on Houston. I want I want Atlanta, first of all. I want I, This is how I want it. I mean. I want Atlanta, L.A., Houston. Do it the hardest way possible. I mean, the hardest way possible technically this season would be the Braves, the Dodgers, and the, and the O's. Anyway. Wow. Come so no on, bro. For those. Come on, bro. No respect. How for many those. times in baseball, let alone in sport, does the team that finally learned how to win and has the best record win this World Series or win the championship? You tell me how many times it really happens. Denver had to fall a bunch of times. Houston had to fall a bunch of times before they did it. You want me to keep naming? We can cross sports at this point. The Chiefs even had to lose once before they did it. How many times? So you tell me how many times is the first year learning how to win team that has the best record in any conference or division that you can think of win the championship? I'll wait. We did no eight. Do you not remember that it took us four years to get that good? Remember, we almost made the playoffs in 06. We got swept by the the, car, the Nationals, excuse me, by the Rockies in 07, and then we won the ship in 08. Yeah, but we were the best team in 08. We still built up that. The Orioles sucked last year. They were barely 500. You don't go from barely 500 to a World Series champion. It rarely happens that way, bro. Rarely, but not impossible. If you want to bet that on a Baltimore Orioles team that has not been good in a decade and has not been great in two, be my guest. But um, no, I mean, if you just said the Rays, sure, I'll make, sure, I'll make some if money. you just said the Rays, I'd be like, all right, cool. The Rays have been in two of the last three World Series and stuff like that. I, I'd give you that. But I'm sorry, you're not about to sit here. And, oh, about to sit here and convince oh, be, me that. Oh, be the Rays in five. That's what I'm saying. You're not about to sit here and convince me. So, all right, Houston versus Baltimore, ALCS. You're putting, you got $10. You're going to put your $10 on Baltimore? No, 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 no. You're going to put your $10 on Baltimore, yes or no? The funny thing is, I literally was like, if the Astros do make it, don't count them out because obviously the experience factor, you know, Jordan Alvarez, Cole Tucker. They are the, what do we always say in whether it's wrestling, boxing, or any sport? You're the champ until you lose, right? Yeah. They're the champ until they lose. I'm rocking with the champs. Yeah, they beat us, but I got we all at the running back sports show. We give credit where credit is due. Yeah. They won that World Series. That was a grown man win. Yeah, there was no cheating. There was no that. They just beat us. Okay, let's see. 
Oles would be the one seed. Yep, Rays would be two. No, no, no. No, the Mariners would actually be the two seed. Oh, the Mariners do lead the division right yes. now, right? And then uh, the Rays three, are the third seed. No, no, the Central. It's division, then it goes by record. I keep forgetting the Orioles and the eight Rays are in the same division. Now the Orioles lead division. So the Rays are the first wild card team, and the Astros are the second wild card team. Yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. Yeah. And then who's o- the third O's, wild card hold team? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do this in order. O's, O's are number one seed. Mariners are the two seed, so they'll, they'll get the first round buys. Twins are the three seed. Because, ah, I forgot. Okay. Yeah, because they're the best of the worst division out of in sports. Yeah. Then the Rays are the number one wild card <laughs> team. So them, them by the Rangers. So the season ended today. It'd be Tampa versus the Rangers in the first round. Okay. Followed by the Astros and the Twins. Twins. Which I would assume we'd all have the Astros. Oh, my God. Carlos, Correa's, Carlos Correa versus the Astros. That's must-see. This is why I want to roll into something because I know I missed the first 20 minutes of the show. Be careful out there. Um, we just had a really bad accident on 76. So if you're driving through 76 listening to us or you're about to get on 76 getting off work, just please be careful out there driving. Um, but, man, postseason baseball, we talk about it. It's like a different thing. It's like it's like people who don't watch wrestling but you tune in for WrestleMania. I respect that because that's kind of how I feel about MLB baseball where it's like I watched throughout the season. I guess the last three or four years I've been more in tuned. Yeah. But when it's playoff time, I turn into Tim Kirkshire. Like, let's go. Who's on the mound? Who's starting? Who's pitching? Give me the bunch. Give me the small suicide squeeze. Give me the walk-offs. Give me all of it because there's nothing like playoff baseball. I would put playoff baseball up against everything, and that's including NFL postseason. You know how we feel about NFL here. But MLB postseason, man, it just slaps. And so um, I'm looking forward to getting some new blood in here. Like you said, the O's, this young Rays team that just keeps winning. The, I love the, the, reto- the, the retooling Rangers team. Yo, the Mariners team that showed a lot of flashes last year, but I think they were in over their head. And now Julio. this year. Julio. Shout out J.P. Crawford out there balling right now. Yep. Like, yo, love that team. Love that squad. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to MLB baseball postseason. I, I really am. Yeah. I'm, Major League Baseball postseason is second to none. Yeah. Um, if you're not a baseball fan, I implore you, if you're a sports fan, tune in. Give yourself the moment. Learn some players. Learn what the team is about. Learn their strengths. Learn the matchups. And just watch and enjoy, man, because that month of October going into November is going to be awesome. Yep. Um, and obviously the season end of the day, the Braves and the Dodgers will be the one and two seed. Yes. Three seed will be the Brewers. Brewers, yep. The Phillies will play the Cubs in the best of three. Yep. Shout out to the Cubs. You called it actually on that. I've been called. I, I saw. I told you. I so they are Spursian, and why I say Spursian is, and I wouldn't even say Spursian. Spursian is kind of a bad word to put, because Spursian means you've had consistent success. I can't really give them a misnomer, but they're a team that it doesn't surprise you when they're successful every five to ten years. They have a good enough fan base. They have owners who are willing to spend. They just brought a new GM. David Ross is a younger. A younger manager, a guy who can relate to young guys. Honestly, they're the new Cardinals. I was gonna say, funny enough, they're in the same division. Swanson was more of an underrated, a guy who is a winner. And being in baseball, no other sport doesn't matter more. I say soccer, just because strategic wise and things like that. Being a winner matters in baseball, dude. Change and being able to uh, affect or adapt to the changing of the locker room. Dansby Swanson is a winner, dude. Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson, winner. Cody. A winner. You say whatever you want. No, he's not the same bull. But this is a guy who was a, a, a rookie of the year, MVP, World Series winner, a one of them ones. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like he knows how to win. And don't let his back come back. Ian Happ is a monster. Ian Happ is one of my favorite. I would love to have him. He's one of those guys who's just a great glove, great hitter, can hit for power, can hit for contact. Absolutely. Diamondbacks, I need you to uh, 
get that spot the Cubs are at right now. Justin, I'm not scared of the Cubs. We can take the Cubs. Yeah. Now, Justin Steele's pitching like a monster. Their rotation is really good. They got some confidence. I know Stroman got hurt, so I don't know how that's going to go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would say – I would say it's going to be a weird series. I mean, I even I would even try to say that the Cubs may get a game off of us. But I think if versus last year it being in the bank and they have to come in the bank to beat us, yeah, nah. I see. I say we get these two out of three and get up out of there for sure. Yeah. And then obviously you know, bring on Atlanta. What's up? Like what's up? Like I'm. I've been waiting because they've been talking trash since like, oh y'all got lucky. Y'all were just hot. Heard. That's how you feel. Check rock. What's up? Y'all want y'all win 105 games? Bet. Y'all still going to go home. And we're going to go get our ring. And then every team in the NL East, except for the Mets, has won a ring this century. <laughs> I mean, we double up. <laughs> we double up. But <clears throat> that's still my favorite stat. Just like LOL Mets. It's like, oh, every NL East team. Oh, well, no, every NL East team has won yes. a ring this the century. Mar- the Mariners. The, Mar- the, 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 Mar- the Marlins have won two. Well, not this century, but even if you go, if you extend it back to the last time the Mets won a World Series, everybody else has either been to multiple. Well, no, they've been to multiple. I'll give them that. Yeah. But yeah, even well, since 2000. Well, if you go, no, if, yeah, if you say back to 2000, they've been in two. 2000 and then 2015. Okay. Yeah, because they got cooked by the uh, the Royals. and finally lost to the Royals in five. What did they lose in 2000? The Yanks. Oh. Yeah, lost to the Yanks in six. Yeah. Mike Piazza was cooking, though. Um, oh yeah, speaking of, uh, R.P. to the Yankees. Don't do that. Nah, it's probably. <laughs> I mean, in general, to be honest, which was probably time to blow it up. Um, I don't know what that means for Aaron Judge, who just signed a nine-year deal. Also, I mean, if that team comes back healthy next year and they sign a couple of guys, they can be the Yankees again. Too. I mean, I mean, they always sign guys. I mean, here's the thing: like Carlos Rodon literally couldn't get on the field. Yes. And this was a guy who was supposed to be your ace behind Severino and Cole. Yeah. So you supposed to have a three-handed monster. And yeah. then Jermon has been. Like Rendon, was, like if Rendon was healthy, that literally kind of, that solves your pitching problem. Exactly. Which was the issue last year. Do we have our course caller of the day? Let's see. T-Mobile. Uh, 98.5 WJYM, Running Back Sports. Hey, how you doing? Is this the show? Is this the sports show? Yes. Yes. Okay. I didn't know this was the on-air line. Uh, what are you talking about today? Oh, um, well, actually, we were currently in the middle of uh, talking a little MLB baseball, a little postseason preview, uh, what matchups we like, what teams we like, how we felt like the Phils were doing going into the postseason, and kind of just, you know, summing up the season. We're at the three-quarters mark, over 120 games in, a little less than 40 games left. Uh, you're kind of seeing the contenders shape up. We are talking about the Cubs. I made a prediction for this prior to the season. Um then I thought the Cubs were going to do really well. I like the Dansby Swanson signing. I thought their pitching staff would be really, really good. And I just thought their lineup would hit. I legitimately thought their lineup would hit. And, you know, at one point they were struggling. And then right around the trade deadline, when it looked like they were going to sell off everything, they went on an eight-game winning streak and have been literally the second-best team in the NL this side of the Dodgers since the All-Star break. Um, I don't know what that means for the postseason because, I mean, if they're playing the Phils in the first round, I think they're going home. But just that stepping stone, I think – Sets you up for next year. They got some young guys coming down the pipeline, and they got some money to spend. So I think the Cubs are almost back, baby. And it's funny to see, like, the Cubs and the White Sox kind of, like, switch souls. Whereas, like, the White Sox were this huge, awesome, uh, uh, young core and a bunch of guys coming up, and they were about to be that next big team. And now it's like a lot of those guys are getting older. Some of those guys you kind of get rid of to, to, to get some money and get some more draft picks to restock the farm. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Now, I I know that you have your predictions and all, and just for a moment, you know, I just want you to entertain me because I'm thinking, what would it be like if you had a league where, uh, you know, people that were from the hometown could only play for the Cubs? Like, like, like I, I know it's never heard of, but, you know, I want to see something along. It's not fantasy football, but can we get something once every year or something where we can actually see the flavor of what the city produces, you know, because our teams are all coming for outsourced, you know. How do you guys feel about that as sports, you know, guys, gurus? Kind of like a U.S. like national tournament? No, when, I, when I'm rooting for uh, the Cubs or the Phils, I want to feel like only Philadelphians can play for the Phils. And that way I can really put the war paint on my face because I feel a little empty inside because we can draft and just get people from all over the galaxy. You know, I've always felt like that as a sports fan. I don't know. Maybe he's laughing me. Maybe, you know, clothes. This is something I shouldn't say out the closet. But what do you guys think about that? If they ever change the league or if he, is there ever, would the game be better or it, w- it wouldn't matter? Now, I think, now, I think what you're talking about is something that existed in very, very early sports leagues. Um, the obviously early inception of basketball or football clubs or just baseball teams in general kind of come to mind where like travel was different, paying players was different. So a lot of, for example, a lot of early basketball teams were just men's like YMCA clubs that became professional. So literally the guys who lived in that city played for that team. So it's not, it's, what you're saying is not blasphemous. It's not even unprecedented. I just think the, with the emphasis on talent, the emphasis on how much money things make and and the emphasis on maximizing the talents that you can have on teams, I think the product would suffer if you did something like that. Because then teams okay. would argue that, oh, we don't have a market for this, or where are we supposed to outsource guys? And then you'd have people trying to circumvent it, like, oh, this guy's a Pennsylvania State resident and lives in Philly so that he can play. I, I, think, it, I think it would just cause <laughs> too much confusion and it would limit the – um, ability also small market teams would have to compete because if you are for example like let's be real the Yankees would are already like one of the greatest franchises in sports history it would be ridiculous at that point if you could have only New Yorkers playing for the Yankees you know what I mean like because or the Mets or the Mets they have access to everybody and then they have access to a litany of people if you're talking Spanish black white Asian like they have a litany of people and New York is such a hub that people would literally come there for generations just to become Yankees or or take the, like the Phillies for example, like the top two best players on their team are from Vegas. Yep, so Vegas team would be pretty good. Uh, cool, yeah, so ooh, the ooh. game would suffer. I get it. it. It would still suffer somehow in different ways, and wouldn't be cohesive nationwide to make a market good enough to be smooth. Exactly. I can understand that. Yeah. Well, my name is Chaplin, and I really appreciate you guys. I'm here with my illustrious wife, Poetica Bay, Doctor Bay. And we're listening to Uptown Radio and checking you guys out. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take it easy. That was a really nice call. That was awesome. It was. That was awesome. Shout out to our friend, our new friend to the show, Chapel. We appreciate that. We absolutely. And that was was a great question, and I was glad we got to kind of expand on that, of, like, the growth in sports of, like, when you make the joke of, like, oh, well, nobody cares about Bill Russell because he played against Mailman, but it's like he kind of, like, did. Like, that's not, like, a shot at Bill Russell. It's not his fault that he was a super athlete at a time where super athletes weren't as 
um, cultivated and, and, and around the corner as they are now, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you also have to think about, like, certain locations specialize in certain sports over yes. anything else. Like, if you grow up in California, you're probably playing outdoor sports more often. Yeah. So I'm not saying that California obviously produces great basketball players, but I would argue that their football, baseball, or even soccer players are more abundant than their basketball players. Yeah. Is that crazy? Yeah, but then again, the California basketball team, think about Russ. Harden, Russ, Kevin, Harden, PG, Kawhi, Caleb, DeRosa, DeRozan. Yeah, they have a squad. Like we just, and we just name it active guys. We're not even naming all timers. You're not talking about Paul Pierce, the yeah. uh, Agent Zero, Nick Young. Like you know what I mean? Uh, well, like you got you got some killers. You yeah. got some killers from California. Uh, but give, give me the Philly squad over everybody. Philly. Ah. Oh yeah, I mean Kobe's our star player. Yeah. Whether he likes it or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, oh, the all-time Philly team would be crazy. Yeah. The all-time Philly team would be great. Patino Mobley would be in there somewhere. Rasheed. She, Deion Waiters. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Yo, like, we got some guys. We, yeah. we have some guys. We'd have a nice team. I'd put our team up. I think our team could do well, especially, like I said, having Kobe gives us an advantage. The North Carolina team is dirty, too. Because yeah. you got to think that's Stephen Jordan. It's, disgust, it's a disgusting backcourt. Isn't Jordan technically from New York? No. He's t- okay, so what do you? are you saying hometown is where you were born? Because if that's the case, then Steph's from Cleveland. But if you're going where you grew up at, okay. then Jordan is in North Carolina. All right. That's like the dirtiest backcourt ever. That's the dirtiest back because they complement each other so well. Yeah. That's a disgusting backcourt. Okay. So the North Carolina team, it doesn't even matter who else fills out that team, let alone B.I., Dennis Smith. I'm just naming guys who I might be missing. Guys. Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah. Like, so that's, they're, they're like, like, you know what I mean? Squat. All right, cool. Here's, all right, here's the play. J.J. Reddick. <laughs> like real rap though. You're like, all right, here's the place, uh, coach. It's just Jordan Iso and Curry off ball screen. Yes. Yes. What else we need to do? What else do we need to run? You tell me. But um, yeah, yeah no. Uh, a Texas team would be dirty, also. The Texas team would be very, very good. The Texas team would be very, very good. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I wanted to segue. We're at 6:40, and I know we want to give a large chunk of time to this. Um, obviously preseason is done. Yeah. The NFL, we're less than two weeks away. Let's go September 10th. Or I'm sorry, September 8th is the opener. The 7th is the opener where the Chiefs will play the Detroit Lions in Arrowhead. Their banner will be raised. (sighs) Chris Chris Jones will not be playing. Oh, he full holdout? Yes. Shout out Chris Jones. Once again, here at Running Back Sports, we are all about player empowerment. Get your money, black man. (laughs) That, yo. Detroit, this, oh, my God. All right, we're going to preview that game. We're going to preview that game next week and talk about that. But I just want to let yeah, you all know. we're going to go full dive in. Uh, oh, my God. The Lions O-line is going to eat. Oh, my God. R.I.P. The Chiefs defensive line. That, yo, if you have Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery in fantasy, I would advise you to make sure they are your week one running back starter. I would not lie to you, Chris. Am I lying? No, you're not. They are going to destroy. Don't you have Jameer Gibbs? No, I don't. But if I had him, he'd be starting. I have Dalvin Cook and Zeke and Kamara and Kenneth Walker. Those are my four backs. But I'm going to start Kenneth Walker and Cook probably. Because yeah. <coughs> they're saying Cook should be ready for week one. And Brees Hall's not ready. So I know Cook's going to get a majority of those carries unless yeah. Michael Carter just impresses the next couple weeks yeah, in, you know, in practice. Ho- hopefully Kenneth Walker's uh, hamstring be able to hold up. I think it will be. He was pretty good last year. And I yeah, think no. Uh, I'm not saying it's because I got uh, Zach Cabernet. But, yeah. That's crazy. It'd be on people. Yeah, I know. It'd be your own people. What you? I, I sniped you for Alvin Kamara. Okay, yes. you took Garrett Wilson in the first round, bro. 
So what? Exactly. Shut up. I want <laughs> Exactly. You don't get to be mad about Alvin Kamara. Week seven when Alvin Kamara has three touchdowns and I'm just looking at you on Sunday while we watching the game like, you did this. And then Garrett Wilson has 152 yards and two touchdowns and you like, fair. Exactly. exactly. So um, we're going to do over the next couple look, of shows. But in the end, listen, I'm a Buckeye fan. I was leaving with something. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's fair. There was so many other buck. Never mind. I'm not getting this. With you. I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> like who? Everybody kept getting sniped. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a conference by conference and a division by division breakdown, uh, small predictions, notes, players we're looking at, trends we're thinking of, a full deep dive into the NFL leading up to September 7th. Uh, it's going to be an awesome game. Uh, hopefully, Chris and I will be watching it together to start off the NFL season, and we'll have some commentary for you guys, maybe even some live stuff on the Twitter feed. Who knows? Um, but starting with the AFC, obviously, we're going to end with the NFC. Chris and I being Eagle fans, so we can really yeah. gush and talk about our team next week. But starting with the AFC. And also, a quick preview for next week, our boy Deontay Burton is definitely coming back. So, obviously, he's going to be here to talk about the 49ers. We're going to more talk about the Trey Lance trade next week as well. Yep, exactly. Really get in-depth in that. Really get his thoughts on that. And, you know, those three first-round picks are really coming handy, especially if you were going to draft Brock Purdy anyway. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, Shout-out, D. What's up with you, bro? Hope you're doing good. Um, the, AFC, man. the AFC, man. Um, young guns all around. The old guard is officially gone. Everybody's out of the league. Everybody we are you sure about with. that? Everybody we grew up with. I'm getting there. Oh, except for one man. And I guess we should start with the AFC East if we're going to start with that one man. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. For the last 17 years, you've let us down. Except for once. This is the chance. So, starting with the AFC East, start with the Jets. Uh, things I noticed. Obviously, I think we both think Garrett Wilson is about to ascend to superstar status. Yes. Having a great quarterback. I mean, the fact that he had 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns last year with Joe Flacco and Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson and, being Mike his, White. and Mike White being the three quarterbacks throwing to him, lets me know all I need to know about what this guy is going to do with A-Rod. Um, obviously, the offensive line still scares me a bit. I think with a team like A-Rod is, he's going to be able to direct these guys to do enough blocking-wise to still be effective. Um It'll be interesting to see with Hackett there and Salah running that defense because, you know, I was listening to Bill Simmons the other day, and he brought up something. He was like, do you really believe Robert Salah is a great coach? And I thought about it, and I was like, not necessarily, but with the team and the way it's constructed, I don't need him to be. And what I mean by that is, do you think Matt LaFleur is a great coach? Like, are you confident that Matt LaFleur – like, and forget Jordan Love. You give Matt LaFleur anybody but Aaron Rodgers. Are you confident that's the 13-win team? Are the Packers as a roster? Take Aaron Rodgers out of it. Take any quarterback. Just take quarterback position out of it. Whose roster is better? Like pound for pound right pound now? Pound for pound right now. Oh, the Jets. So, if, mind you, now, obviously, Rodgers was hurt last year. It was a bit of a down year. And this was still a team that was a Sunday night football win away from making the playoffs, right? Yes. And the Jets literally tried everything to make the playoffs, and their quarterback position was holding them back. Why wouldn't people think that this team could win at least nine to ten games? I think because Aaron Rodgers has been a little bit controversial the last couple of years with his takes on COVID and just in general a lot of his diva behavior. People do it to receivers, did it. People did it to TOs. People will try to throw salt on the ability to play the game because they don't like the way that you're moving around the game. And I think that's what's happening with A-Rod. People forgetting this. So last year was 2022, right, yeah. season. The MVP of the league was Patrick Mahomes, right? Who was the MVP the previous year, Chris? Aaron Rodgers. Who was the MVP the year before that? Aaron Rodgers. Okay, then. So why all of a sudden would I believe that just now he's going to fall off this cliff? Now, mind you, he's 38 years old. 
He'll be 39 next year. Be 30, 39 <coughs> December. I'm sorry, be 39 in December. Excuse me. He's gotten beaten up the last two years. You could argue this Jets line is probably the worst line he's played around, played in front of since like mid the mid 2010s. Um, so everything would tell you that's not going to work. But I would also argue that he's probably going to have the best receiver group he's had since the mid 2010s. He's probably going to have, if not the best, I would argue that I'm sorry, healthy. Give me Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall over AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. To be honest, keep it real. No, I was going to say honestly. <coughs> Who's their wide receiver two after Garrett Wilson? I mean, isn't it Elijah Moore? No, Elijah Moore's gone. Where's Elijah Moore at? He's in Cleveland. Mims is gone. Corey Davis is gone. It's Cobb. Alan Lazard. Yeah. Wilson, Lazard, Cobb. I've seen the Lazard story. I'm <clears throat> nah, but Lazard is, I think Lazard works. All right, Lazard is not a one. No. As a two, I take Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard's a top ten number two receiver in the league. Not a top 10 one that you put as a two. No, no, no. But if you're just naming the, the top 10 number two receivers in the league, Lazard's on that list. I think if you just flashed in your head, just throwing the top 10 number two receivers right now in your head, he's on that list. And like we talk about, the ceiling for that receiving court is based on what we think Garrett Wilson is going to do. Do I think it's a slam dunk thing winning division? No. Miami's the best offensive football when healthy, when two is healthy. Josh Allen is still a top five quarterback, and he's not five. Um, and the Patriots is still coached by the greatest co- the greatest coach of all time. So at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to cakewalk to this division, but to assume that, A, the AFC East couldn't be the division to put three in the playoffs, like we're obviously going to get to the North later in the show, and we think they could put three in. But if we're talking about the divisions that could put three teams in the playoffs throughout the AFC or the NFC, the AFC East should be in there. They almost put three in last year. The Pats barely missed the playoffs. Remember, I think they needed to, like, win week 17 or something like that to get in. And somebody else need to lose. Mm-hmm. But they almost had three teams in. So it's not the, – the EFC East almost put four teams in had Washington not falling apart. So, um, you know, thoughts, notes, how do you feel? Um, I think it's going to be awesome for Zach Wilson to learn from a real quarterback. Um, like I said, I think Sauce Gardner is going to cement himself as the best corner in football. I think the Jets' defense it has something to prove. With a lot of people questioning whether they were good or not last year. Um, I think this is a 10 or 11 win team. I think they're going to have growing pains. I think that um, they're not going to hit their stride till later in the season. Uh, I think with a team that finished third in their division, um, they're going. I'm sorry, sec. No, third in their division, they're going to no fourth, right? Yeah, they finished fourth in their division, so they're going to have a last play schedule. Yeah, but that those first six games are just. If they survive those first six games at three and three, that's a ten win team. Okay. Yeah, because Bills week one. Okay, which is a winnable game. I don't know why people is it at. Buffalo? Yeah, I was at New York. I think that's a winnable game. All right. At at Dallas. Winnable. At New England. Winnable. At home. New England at home. Chiefs at home. That's a loss. Honestly, Chris Jones is not back. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Once again. So, all right. And what are the last two games? Just so we can have the full slate. Broncos and Eagles. Winnable and probably a loss to us. And wouldn't we be the team to let the Jets beat us? Like, come on. Yeah. It'd be very Eagles of us. If one of our three losses, y'all lost to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers owns us. Yeah. So, yeah, let's then, say. Then after that, it gets a lot more softer. Like, then they got the Giants, Chargers. Yep. yep. Winnable, winnable. Uh, Raiders. Winnable. Bills again. Winnable. Dolphins. Winnable. Twice. Houston. Winnable. Falcons. Winnable. Browns. Winnable. Commanders and winnable. Patriots. 
What about that schedule says daunting? So the only teams that I heard that you should be afraid of are the two Super Bowl participants last year. Who else is not a winnable game on that schedule? Yeah. I mean, the toughest games are probably going to be in the division. In the division and, games. And if you're looking on the outside, Chiefs, Eagles, and probably Dallas. Dallas, exactly. Everything else should be a cakewalk. So all you got to do is for the Jets, in my mind, would be beat our division. You go five and one, four and two in that division, and which I know that's not a cakewalk. I get it. That team, those teams are going to beat the everlasting crap out of each other. But I'm just saying, it's not unfathomable. So with that being said, um, I still don't think they win a division. I think they made the playoffs, but they don't win a division. My division winner is the second team that I want to discuss, unless you have any notes you want to add on the Jets. Obviously, we talk about the emergence of Gary Wilson, but if Gary Wilson gets hurt, that wide receiver core is very thin because at that point, it's the Green Bay receiving core all over again from last year. Literally. Yeah. So it, this is a team that <coughs> it needs to heavily depend on. If Reese Hall gets healthy, it has to depend on the two best, probably the two best offensive players outside of Wilson, which is Dalvin Cook and Reese Hall. Which, like, don't forget, Aaron Rodgers is not afraid to be in an offense that runs the ball a lot. Yeah. So. So it's up. So to be honest, it's up to Rodgers, it's up to Hackett to be like, okay, listen, our best bet is to lean on this running game, especially if our offensive line in terms of pass blocking isn't really up to code. Yep. So my division winner is probably going to shock you in this in this team, but I want to talk about it because I think someone can go from I would never say he was overrated, but I think someone can go from properly rated to underrated very quickly. And I think Bill Belichick has done that. I think Bill Belichick has gone from properly rated as the goat to now being underrated because of losing the goat quarterback. And having to retool, that takes time. You're not going to have Tom Brady walk back in there. You got lucky to find Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why he was willing to move Brady to get Garoppolo because he knew, all right, Brady can still play four or five years, but if I need a guy now who I know can succeed, I need to push the chips forward on him. Kraft was afraid. Belichick wasn't, not because he didn't love or respect Tom, but because he saw the thing come in a lot. Mac Jones had a good rookie year, struggled the second year. I would argue his lack of receivers, lack of consistency in the running game, lack. and lack of – excuse me. An offensive coordinator. I was going to say competent play calling. Excuse me. And, yes, lack, yes, so, yes, lack of offensive coordinator. I think this year with a real offensive coordinator, their receiving core, I know you want to laugh, Tyquan Thornton didn't get a chance to play last year. He was hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster is not a terrible receiver. I don't know why people want to make that joke. This is a guy who had, who's, who's had multiple thousand-yard receivers, a multi-time pro bowler, and I think if anybody can get the best out of him, it could be a Bill Belichick team. Mike Gusecki, underrated going him and Hunter Henry. Name me a better tight end duo in the league right now, Chris. No, real rep. Not a better singular tight end. Don't say Kelsey and whoever else is out there. No, name me a better, more I mean, balanced I mean, duo. give me Kelsey whoever <laughs> But you get my point. Oh, also, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. No, I'd take Hunter. I'd take Gusecki and Hunter Henry. Don't sleep on Isaiah Likely. I'm not, but I'm, I'm, I think you're sleeping on Mike Gusecki at this point. I've been waiting for this Mike Gusecki emergence ever since he came out of Penn State. He's been cooking in the league. What do you – all right. Let's look at the stats. Because here's the thing. In a league where tight end play, unless you're Kelsey or you're Kittle, you're not getting the targets and looks to really be super productive. Who's really getting looks at tight end? Who's getting looks consistently in the offensive tight end? Darren Waller was. Mark Andrews. They didn't have any receivers, bro. Stop. You said who's you think, still getting No, that's – but okay, you're absolutely right. I will give you that, Mark Andrews. But that even whoever so – Whoever tight end one is in Philadelphia. 
You're doing this because you know that I'm right, but you need to just say no, something. No, 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 no. You're no. I'm doing this because you know I'm right. You're, that's why you're smiling. No, I'm smiling because you're being ridiculous. Because everything you're naming has the dumbest caveat ever. Oh what do yeah, you mean the dumbest caveat. We use our tight ends. We've always used our tight ends. Okay, we're one of the few teams that uses our tight ends. Noah, Fan, the, the Seahawks use their tight ends. Noah Fan ain't getting out here putting up numbers, and Noah Fan ain't no scrub. T.J. Hawkinson was a monster, and the Lions were like, "Nah, we're good." Yeah, because they didn't want to pay him like they didn't want to pay him like Kelsey or Kittle money. If the tight end was whopping like that, you think they wouldn't? It's the same. Tight end is running back right now. You can get a guy on a rookie deal and rock out. I'm surprised we extended Dallas. Let's keep it a real with you. We just didn't get any replacement. Let's be all the way real. <laughs> like, let's be all the way real. And he's also arguably our second best receiver. If you want to be honest, when healthy, he's arguably our second best receiver. Love Devontae, but I mean, if you're asking me who I'd rather have in a red zone situation, healthy, I'd give me Dallas. So, uh, I say that to say, going back is, I think that offensive line, the running game, I think you got you got you got Ramondre Stevenson, who is now the unquestioned number one back. Zeke is going to be motivated to go in there behind a good offensive line, get it done. Belichick's going to play, but the thing that makes me think that that team is going to be great this year is they're going to have an amazing defense. Matthew Judon, Trey Flowers, uh, Branch, uh, 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 Christian Gonzalez is going to be a monster. Cyrus Jones, like they just got guys, they got guys. Um. And so that's my division winner. I think Mac Jones is going to have a bounce back here. I think now it's his job to lose. Obviously, you still have Zap back there in case things really go off the rails. But, yeah, that's who I think is going to win the AFCs. I just feel like, and I guess unless you have any notes on New England, we can kind of roll into Buffalo on why I don't necessarily think they're going to win the division. I don't think they're not going to make the playoffs. I just don't think this is going to be a 13-14 win team again. Wow, so the Pats are your division winners. Yes. No, I don't have any notes. Uh, just listen. In the end, if this was the NFC, I can kind of I I would embrace the vision of like team like the Patriots being as good as you as good as I as expected and as good as you think you are. Mm-hmm. But listen, AFC, in the end, quarterbacks and offenses rule unless you have a an elite defense. An elite defense. And my argument is, I think their defense is elite. Like e like like Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson. Kenny Omega elite. I agree. But I think Gonzalez is going to be a stud, bro. I think so, too. I think He was my cornerback one. Was he not your cornerback one? Or was it Witherspoon was really your one? So I don't think Witherspoon was anybody's no, one no, except No, Witherspoon wasn't my one. I got I to see. I got to remember. Remember the draft? Yeah. But Gonzalez was my one. Yeah. He just looked. His ball skills, his press man corner skills. Oh, wait. Joey Porter was my number one. He's going to kill it in Pittsburgh, though. I think so, too. I think he's only going to get shot yeah, by but having to go up against that being, and, uh, Pickett. that being said, I uh, want to get into this before um, I'll call it the top of the hour. I can see it. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get the ball rolling for who I think is going to win the AFC, the AFC East. And No, it's not Buffalo. I know you're finally on the right side of history this time. Yeah. That Tell means- me why Tua Tungavailoa is finally going to be that guy. Please. Continuity. If Tua stays healthy, then obviously he's still the third best quarterback in that division. But that offense last year is speed personified. Jalen Waddle, Tariq Hill, Raheem Mostert when he's healthy, and if they're able, <coughs> and 
and even and even I'll still say this: if they still manage to get Jonathan Taylor without really having to give him much, then you can't name me. Then you can't sell me any other offense that's better in this division. That's not named Miami. Yeah, and not to mention their defense is absolutely stacked. Christian Wilkins, Raquan Davis, the trader for Bradley Chubb last year. It really sucks that Jalen Ramsey's hurt. Yeah, I was gonna say that was excuse me. That's I mean, I'll be honest with you, until Ramsey was hurt, the Dolphins were my pick. Yeah. But now I'm just like down a corner. Yeah. Still Xavier Howard is still proven that he's a he wide one, yes. Yes. Uh Javon Hall Javon Holler, really good safety. Uh, Jalen Phillips, you know, good linebacker as well. I just feel like I feel like Tua is definitely gonna is gonna put a lot of people on notice this year. If that offense, if he stays right, and more importantly, people forget when Tua's healthy, they win. They were seven and three last year. They made the playoffs even when he was hurt. And if they and if they had any other quarterback not named Skylar Thompson, they probably beat the Bills in Buffalo. No, for sure. They yeah. darn near beat him with Skylar Thompson. Yeah. So. And I guess to our team that we feel like is going to take a step back this year's Buffalo is every great quarterback has a year where it's like, Ugh. and Josh Allen has officially been a superstar what four years now. Yeah. He's kind of due. Von Miller is not coming back for the first four weeks for sure, and, and I don't yeah. know what he's going to look like at almost thirty-four years old coming off a torn ACL. Yeah. They they traded another one of their pass rushers to the New York Giants to Boogie Basham. Exactly. Um, like you could lose any, like you could lose, like you can afford to get rid of a pass rusher. I, you still don't have a second corner to go next to Jadavius White. You don't have a lead running back. You don't have a lead running back. And the one thing you needed to address, but you draft, and then you still don't have another receiver to go next to Stephon Diggs. Love Gabe Davis. Come on now. But you drafted Dalton Kincaid when you already had Dawson Knox. I don't understand. Unless you're running a lot of 12 personnel. Which I think that's what they're going to do because I think they're lead running back. And they're still not learning that Josh Allen cannot be your lead running back. You will eventually get him hurt. And I, and the funny thing is, and the crazy thing is, like we talked about uh, last year when Dable left, you notice how the mistakes that Daniel Jones has made went down as soon as Brian Dable went over there. And then the mistakes that Josh Allen has yep. made have gone up. Exactly. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, Buffalo. This is not a knock, but you're starting to see like Dable was the was the guy that made Josh Allen Josh Allen. Yeah. Granted, Josh Allen is still super talented. Buffalo's also soft. They are. And they are. the reality is this the more if this trend continues, then we're gonna we're starting to see what happens if Carson if Carson Wentz never got hurt, truly hurt. Yep. And Josh Allen. Yep. I agree. Um, I guess the segue to the other division we feel like is probably the best in the AFC, the AFC North. Um, we've I, talk- feel, I feel like we should save them for last. We save that for last. All right. Well, let's go to the worst because division. I, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna that's gonna be a clash. You're right. Yeah. So let's go and move on to the AFC South. All right. Um, we do have a caller at seven o'clock. I don't know when they're gonna call in. Um, All right. Perfect now. timing. Would you look at that? All right. So I got Jeff. Hey, Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, Chris, what's happening in Philly? Uh, nothing much, man. Just uh, cloudy weather and uh, humidity. Man, I, I, I'm just doing that, calling you from almost 100-degree Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, man, uh, how you doing down there in Dallas? Man, we're making it. We're, uh, you know, it's uh, got two weeks of football season, man. 
it's uh, it's a good time of year. I'm ready. I think it should be illegal to drink pumpkin spice lattes when until it gets under 100 degrees. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll work on that as we go. Yeah, and uh, on a scale of uh, Trey Lance to Dak Prescott, how are you feeling right now? <laughs> well, I would say I'm feeling a little more Dak Prescott, but man, what a crazy bit of uh, stuff that is. I, I'm, I am of two minds on this thing. On the one hand, hey, kudos to Jerry for, you know, it's a small investment. You're, you're taking a swing, like, why not? Low risk, high reward, potentially. Uh, you know, take a shot on a guy who you had a second-round pick on, or grade on, apparently, uh, and you're getting him for a fourth, so that could work. And, you know, what the heck, right? Just, just roll the dice, and if the guy works, great, you go. Now, the inter- this is the reason that GMs, good GMs, you know, like the one you guys have, know about – locker room chemistry, right? Because it matters not just what you do, but the players that you have, right? You have the most talented team in the world. In fact, I believe once upon a time you had the, uh, the greatest team ever assembled, right? That didn't work out real well because it's about the continuity. And I think as a continuity issue, this is problematic, right? Dak's talking about an extension. You're just bringing in more chaos, you can't convince me that Jerry wasn't going to draft Johnny Manziel that year. <laughs> you know, it's just all of that stuff. It's just, it's the craziness that is Dallas. It's the reason they haven't been to the NFC Championship game since the 1990s before most of your listeners were born. It's just that level of chaos is what this is about. Again, I get it from the talent acquisition standpoint of why the hell not. But, man, it's just just so clownish it's just so jerry the best thing you could say about it it's just so jerry yeah also love how like jerry followed up saying like hey if the whole thing in philadelphia and carson Wentz worked out we would have traded for jalen hurts oh yeah hey look man that's uh you know i think i think that's i think that's funny i think he gets to say that now because jalen hurts obviously had a, a great year what if he had that in dallas probably not not under Jason Garrett. <laughs> so, man, uh, it's, it's just funny how those things work. Look, Jerry has always been one who chases. He's always been one that follows the trend. You know, when the Patriots won with two tight ends, well, what did he do? Went out and drafted him a bunch of tight ends. He's going to do that model, right? And now the 49ers are winning. Well, I'm going to go get the guy that they had, right? Problem with Jerry is that, they're always chasing. They've never, like, cemented, put a foot in the ground and said, this is our identity. It's how they won in the 90s, and they don't do it now. Like, when you think of the Cowboys right now, what do you think about? Like, what, what's their identity? What are they known for? I mean, I mean, I guess Dak Prescott and the defense now? But the defense is the thing they invested in the least. So, man, it just, it's just maddening. Like, if you're a Cowboys fan, which luckily you and I aren't, but, man, if you're a Cowboys fan, you just have to be pulling out your hair every day because the teams that are good, and look around the league, the teams that are good have that identity, right? You know what the 49ers are. You know what the Pittsburgh Steelers are. You know you know what the Ravens are going to be. And, and those are the teams that have that identity, and, and it's everybody else that's just kind of wandering around in the wilderness. 
Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Before uh, you called that, we were trying to break. We were, were breaking down the entire ASC. The first usually we talked about is the ASC East, um, and obviously yes, we were talking about you know Aaron Rodgers, the Garrett Wilson connection. You know, if the sure. offensive line has been able to hold up, and I said that this is an eleven win team if they lean more towards. You know, their running game, you know, obviously signing Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall when he finally gets healthy. So, like, what do you believe is the formula uh, for success for the Jets this year? All right. So, one of the things I think people are missing, they've seen Aaron Rodgers these last two years, these MVP years under Matt LaFleur and that that 49er offense, which at best was a compromise between the two because Matt LaFleur wants you to run – just like Kyle Shanahan, they want an automaton. They want a guy who's going to – they're going to scheme open a guy. You just throw it to the guy that we want open, right? And Rodgers is saying, no, 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 man. My superpower is reading at the line of scrimmage, making those adjustments, doing that stuff, right? And I think you're going to see a lot more of that with this Jets offense. But the thing that I think, like I said, people are missing is that when Rodgers was doing that, when he was running and gunning under Mike McCarthy and it was working early on, the reason it worked is because it was the short passing game. It was the old-school West Coast offense, right, that quick slants, quick hitters. You know, occasionally, you know, you're going to have a play action and throw it deep, but it's a lot of quick stuff, a lot of short stuff, over the middle of the field, run after catch, all of those things, right? And that's what this offense is going to do with the Jets. Right. They're going to have a killer running game, and it's going to be based on that zone scheme, and they're going to have all of those elements involved much like you see in Green Bay. But the passing game is not going to be Rodgers' five-step drop, stand back there and, and make those throws. It's going to be quick hitters. And you saw that a little bit in Rodgers' preseason debut. You know, quick hitter to Garrett Wilson. The, the touchdown throw, quick hitter to Garrett Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think is going to be very interesting. And, of course, what does that do when you have a quick-hitting offense? Your offensive line just needs to stand there for a minute. They don't need to be world beaters. They can just stand there. That's going to make the difference. Now, you're right. They need a little bit of luck with some health because you got an old man out there at uh, left tackle and you got a guy who hasn't played a full season in his entire NFL career at right tackle. But if with the quick hit offense, those guys seem so bought in. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about culture. Man, I think this, this thing has a formula that – between the running game, the two-headed monster, the running attack, the quick-hitting offense from Rodgers and the chemistry with Garrett Wilson, and then a defense that is going to be maybe the best defense in the league, uh, I, I think the sky's the limit. I think 11 wins is pretty close to the floor for this team. All right. Uh, Jeff, we're going to keep this short. Uh, just one last question. Uh, out of everybody uh, – out of everybody in – out of everybody in the NFL, who is your best pet to uh, go from worst to first this year? That's a good question. Um, I think – I'll do it real quickly, as uh, you guys are probably going to do some NFC stuff here in a minute. Um, but I'll give you a couple of my surprise teams that I think are going to jump up. I think the Lions are going to struggle a little bit early with losing all those receivers and not having a whole lot of weapons early. Uh, I think they're going to have more struggles than people think. I actually like the Packers to win the North. Uh, I think the Packers are going to be pretty solid this year and, in fact, might be one of the better teams in the NFC. Um, I think the Niners are a lottery ticket. Man, they could be the best team in the league going away without a question, 
and they could be, you know, they might have one of those years if Purdy goes down and Sam Darnold quarterback in that thing, hold on to your butts. That thing could get really ugly. So, man, I could see that being a problem. Um, I Not, think wait, 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 that – Hold on, hold on. I got to push back on yes. one thing real quick, Jeff. I just, yes, sir. Hit me. Um, the Sam Darnold thing. So you don't think Sam Darnold having a competent coach, a great offensive line, and weapons for the first time in his career could possibly make him, I don't know, even just an average? You don't think, even playing field, that Sam Darnold is better than Brock Purdy? Is he better than Brock Purdy? No. That's uh, insane. Chris, you're not going to back me, me up here? Let me Chris, say you, this. Chris, you're not going to back me up here? That is insane. Here's the thing, man. You put what? Brock Purdy on those Jets teams? From back when oh, Sam no, Darnold no, no. was on those teams. Oh, okay, hang on, hang on. Do you mean talent-wise? hundred percent. But uh, okay, Sam, wait, wait, hang on. Is Sam Darnold more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo? A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. But right? I also think Jimmy that? Garoppolo has also been in the, the one of the greatest quarterbacking situations a career could ever uh -huh. be in. Ah, uh -huh. you're right. So, right. but would you argue that you, Sam Darnold has been in some of the worst quarterbacking situations you could ever be in? hundred percent. So I think if you're asking me, if I'm well, technically I'm asking you a question, but I'll I'll pose another question. Do I yeah, think yeah, Brock yeah. Purdy? Do you think that Sam Darnold could do what Brock Purdy did last year with that San no. Francisco team healthy? No, absolutely not. That is insane. I Here's can't wait why. for Brock Purdy to get hurt and Sam Darnold to yeah. win twelve games. Everybody's like, oh, I guess Sam Darnold was talented, and no, no, no. the here's, Jets were here's, just terrible. Here's why I tell you that. Here's why I tell you that. The thing about Sam Darnold is. Like, and the thing about Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy has the same thing that Jimmy G has, which is he's going to drop back. He's going to make the throw that Kyle Shanahan wants him to make, right? And mm -hmm. he's going to have no fear, right? He, that dude will throw it into the worst traffic, and he had the best luck you've ever seen in that eight-game stretch. Is Brock Purdy that talented? No. Do I think he's going to come back to earth? A hundred percent. The difference is can you tell me a time – when you've seen Sam Darnold, really the only time I can think of is when he was at USC, where Sam Darnold stood in there, made the throw, and completed it without it getting turned over. Because that's the problem. I think the turnovers are the problem, and the turnovers are what are getting killed. And that's where I think the difference is. is man, you're right. Dude, is Sam Darnold a more talented quarterback than Brock Purdy? My God, yes. There's a reason that Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. But it's not necessarily about the talent. It's about the system you're in and how you run it, right? And so that's where I think that if you can tell me that Sam Darnold will always make that read that Kyle Shanahan wants him to make and make that throw, man, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Sam could be great in that system. I've just never seen him do it. <laughs> so if he does it, man, I'm with you. He, that dude could probably, you know, carry that team now. I don't think I would. Okay. Okay, so I'll give you an example real quick of why I know for a fact he'd be able to do it. And it's an easy example, and it's one to be like, well, he was productive. But, I mean, there's reasons he was productive, right? Matt Stafford, right? Number one overall pick, really talented runner, pretty, pretty, pretty good scrambler, right? I would argue, obviously, yeah. he has a stronger arm than Sam Darnold, right? But their play style oh, yeah. is very okay. similar, right? Very out of control, sometimes tries to make too much with the throw, thinking they can do everything. Guys like that who are talented yep. like that tend to do that, right? Now, Stafford got away with it earlier in his career because he had one of the greatest receivers of all time, 
right? And then the second half of his career, post-Megatron, he had learned how to be an NFL quarterback, and that system was built around him. So he had he had small amounts of success, right? But for the most yeah. part, he was a middling quarterback who people could see the talent, right? He then goes yeah. to L.A. with a stacked roster with an offensive coordinator slash head coach who had put structure in place and made things easy for him. So it's like, yeah, you can mm-hmm. do your Matt Stafford stuff, but all you got to do is – check down here to, you know, Tyler Higby or, you know, hit Cooper Cup on this slant or, you know, Robert Woods, right? Whatever the case may be. I think mm-hmm. that Sam Darnold could have that same type of trajectory if actually given the chance in San Francisco. Now, somebody could say is if he was that great, why was he not named the starter? I think because now the way that everything has happened, they're clinging to Purdy. You had to let Garoppolo walk, right? You messed up the Trey Lance thing. Now you're just like, we have to make Purdy work. But I think if, if we were privy to what was going on in camp, right, I would argue that I think Sam Darnold was probably being able to run that offense just as well as Brock Purdy. And you know what? You might be right. And here's the thing that I think is going to be great about this mm-hmm. is in almost every Kyle Shanahan-esque offense around the league, quarterbacks get hurt at an extraordinary rate. It's insane. So there's a better than zero chance we're going to get this finish. You're going to get to test your hypothesis, and I am, I am here for it. I'm all for Again, it. Again, it's why I say the 49ers are a lottery ticket because they might be a 12-win dominant force that goes to the Super Bowl, and they might be a six-win team because that's what Kyle Shanahan's seasons have been, right? Yeah. It's either on the doorstep of the Super Bowl or six, you know, five or six wins, and we're watching C.J. Beathard run out there at quarterback, yeah. right? It's literally if he, has a comp- if he has a competent quarterback, they're – always a contender in the NFC. If they don't, right. it gets really so, weird really fast. Now what you're telling me is, so now not only do we need Sam Darnold to come in there and be competent, something that is debatable. Fair. But also, now we also need Sam to go in there just something else that he's not been. Which is? I mean, like I said, I, I, I hope that you're right, dude. I love Sam. Dude, Jets. Totally. What did that need to work? Rooted for him in Carolina. Thank you for the draft picks. But at the same time, man, I think that that is – it's an interesting hypothesis, but until we have something even vaguely tangible to back it up, I mean, I can't make that – I can't make that assumption. So I hope you're right, but, man, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet the house on it, <laughs> you know? No, you're right. So – but, it, it, man, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, dude, I think, like I said, I think there's so much of this season that is going to be just such a wild card, man. It is going to be um, it's going to be just a blast. Okay, so a couple other quick ones. I think the Chiefs not having Chris Jones and losing a lot of that offensive line or defensive line is going to hurt them early. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Look, they still got Pat Mahomes at the end of the day. They're going to be fine. But do I think it's going to cause them some problems? Sure. And I think as a result – I think the Chargers are going to step into that and maybe win that division as well. So just some surprise division winners. Um, man, I hope you guys get Jonathan Taylor. That would be um, awesome. It feels so Miami wouldn't? It feels weird to me that you would put so much investment in Penny and Swift and then be ready to chuck them overboard so fast. But, I mean, look, if you're going for it, you're going for it, right? Like, I mean, I ain't, I ain't mad at you. Like, you got to get it right. So go get more talent. Um, I Miami, you had luxury. Miami is in the city. 
I I mean, dude, they got to do something there because I think Miami's at a point where that could be one of the more disappointing teams this year. I think that offensive line is going to cause problems. I mean, look, it's what worked last year. I don't know it's going to translate forward. And, you know, like I said, that offensive line scares the hell out of me. But um, just for Tua and then whatever's behind Tua, and, again, we're talking about another Shanahan system, so then there's a better than zero chance that Tua's going to get all of this stuff. So, woo! Um, But, yeah, so I think that's going to be interesting. I think the Bills, um, I think they might take a little bit of a step back. I think the Jets actually (laughs) win that division. We were just talking about that, too. Yeah, I think the Bills will – still be a playoff team yeah. i think it comes down to bills and dolphins i think one of those teams is a playoff team and the other one isn't and you can draw straws for that i think uh, with the bills think, every great quarterback is due a whoopsie season where you're just like mm, things didn't go right you might have got hurt just weren't the same guy right. the team well, just did get hurt yeah, yeah so yeah, like ucl yeah yeah no no i'm saying for josh as far as for josh so i don't know right just say he got hurt in that jeff game when they hit his arm and he was never the same yeah, and so I think this year is going to be that. Like, yeah, last year they won 13 games, and they were very soft in that playoff game against Cincinnati, but I think they're due for a 7-8-9 struggle season. Something's going on. Diggs isn't happy, and yeah. McDermott might be on the hot seat type of situation. I think I think that your best defensive player is a 34-year-old coming off of an ACL tear. Yep, and starting on the top list. Yep. Yeah. That's not a good sign for a team that – the main struggle they've had the last three years of stopping them from going to the Super Bowl is they can't stop you when it matters most. And I still do and not trust that Buffalo defense in January. I just don't. I refuse to. Well, no doubt. No doubt. And I think uh, I think the team that's going to that's gonna jump up and surprise this year is going to be the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to play team. Yes. I think that defense is going to eat. Um, they know how to cover up for bad cornerbacks. They've been doing it for years, so I don't have any problem with that. And, I don't man, think their I cornerbacks think- are necessarily terrible. They're not terrible, but they ain't nothing to write home about. But no, you but got that like kind of pass rush. Yeah, Woo. exactly. Uh, and then when you got Minka Fitzpatrick kind of you know surveying everything on the back end, you can afford to have average corners. So I agree with you. Exactly. So then, so then, who's your team out in the north? Is it the Bengals or the Ravens? Okay. So, ooh, see, it's here's gotta be one of the two. Here's my thing, right? Because Chris and I have been talking about this. I think this is the Browns' division to win. We didn't get the chance to get to the AFC North yet, but just to let you know, the Browns are my division winner. I think really? that defense. Okay, I think that defense is going to eat. I think Nick Chubb is the most consistent and best running back in football. He will be rewarded with by for it this year by his production mm-hmm. and by him being the only guy to really step up and lead his team in that way. Amari Cooper mm-hmm. somehow went from overrated to properly rated to now underrated. Deshaun yep, Watson, great. regardless of how you feel about his off-field things or whatever, still when he's healthy, I still think he's a top five quarterback. I get it. People Did can say last year he wasn't. Huh? Did you watch him in the preseason though? I, right. I still believe he's going to come back. I mean, maybe I'm just holding out hope for a guy I saw beat, dominate the league before things fell off. But I just don't exactly. think a guy who was that dominant at one point came. Michael Vick went to jail for two years and came back and still eventually found his form. I think Watson right. can find his form. I mean, Man, I'm I, I, is, is he Michael Wilson. Vick or, or is he Mike Tyson? That's, that's my now, point. that's, that's true. Some worry. guys go through something so controversial that it just shakes their confidence and they're never the same guy. And then yeah. you can ignore my entire prediction at that point because if he's not who he's supposed to be, then this then this doesn't matter. But I think the one thing that I think people are underrating is that defense is going to eat, man. Zadarius Smith being on the other side of 
of Miles Garrett, and Miles Garrett has never had a reliable guy on the other side of him. Obviously, the Jadavia right. Clowney thing was a bust, like his entire career has been, if we're being honest. Um, Zadarius Smith is a proven guy. That's nine and a half sacks walking off the bus to training camp. Uh, Miles Garrett is the second best pass rusher in football. Um, Tomlinson up front. Tomlinson, uh, that, like Snacks is a beast. Yeah. He's a guy who's going to stuff the run, which has been their big thing the last couple of years. They've not been able to stop the run. Uh, Denzel Ward is a top 10 corner and almost to this point underrated. People forget how good he is because the Browns secondary is yeah, pretty love, trash I behind him. Yeah, I love those corners. Yep. Uh, Greg Newsom yeah. was awesome last year. Like, So they got some depth on defense, and I think Stefanski and Watson have been in the lab. I think they're going to do some things. Now, my thing is with the Bengals is I'm a huge Joe Burrow guy. I don't know if you've you know mm-hmm. heard me gush about Burrow on the show to Chris. But um, I think if he's healthy, the Bengals will always be contenders in his career. I don't care I who agree. you put out there. So that's I, why I said. So who are you taking out if the Beng- if the if the Steelers are in? Who's out? Uh, be I, I'm gonna say something unprecedented, right? If the Browns to me are the, now the Browns are my division winner, but they're also the team that I think could not make the playoffs. If that makes any sense, I think the other yep. three teams are more guaranteed to make the playoffs. But I think at their peak, the Browns could be the best team in that division. Because I think, to be quite honest, if Deshaun Watson looks like Deshaun Watson, they have the best quarterback in that division. And see, I, I just don't think he does. And I, and and I think that's I where the impasse is. But would you agree is if you if you drop the version of Deshaun Watson pre-suspension on that Browns in that division, he's the best quarterback in that division? Oh, my gosh, yeah. So but again, we're talking, we're talking about – what, two and a half, three years ago. Now? So, yes, yeah. that's why my pick is based on the ultimate boom bust. It's the ultimate boom bust pick. I think they're my division winner, but I also think that they'll be the one that won't make the playoffs if the Watson doesn't look like Watson. Now, and, and, if and like I said, the Browns, the Browns are a lot like the Niners in that, dude. Yes. Should be very solid on defense. You worry about injuries and the depth. Should be – they've got all the pieces there on offense yep. that you would want. It all comes down to court. Mirror image. I, I totally agree with you. And, and like I said, I could have the Niners at 12 wins. I could have them at six wins. I think the Browns, same way. So that's and, why I didn't want to give man, you a cop-out answer, but it's like the Browns are my division winner pick, right? But if you're asking right. me out of the Bengals and Ravens who's not going to make I think both teams make the playoffs, to be honest. I think this division puts three teams in the playoffs. I think this is the best division in football, first of all. I think okay, from top so to bottom. But then who's, but then who's the one that's out? So if you, you want three in, uh, which one's out? <laughs> I know it's hard. Like I le- I, I'm sending you down, man. Just say Cincinnati. Out. I know you're thinking it. It's Cincinnati. And the reason I say it's Cincinnati is they're due. Burrow's hurt. I hate it because I love Burrow so much. Burrow's hurt. Um, their defense lost a lot, and they were already hanging on by a string playing what I like yep. to call complimentary, like great complimentary defense. They don't have the pieces to do that this year. I, and, do, I can see it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be the Ravens. Really? Uh, well, and the Browns. I just – look, I remember Lamar at Louisville, man. I remember him swinging it around for 500 yards against Clemson. Uh, like, I, I remember those days. But I've watched a little bit in this training camp and, and some of that, and it just don't look the same. You I, think I, injuries? I, like, are you saying he's not the same athlete right now at 25? Uh, no, uh, dude, he's an amazing athlete. I just don't think he's a passer. I don't think he's an NFL passer. I think that – Still that to this day. worries me. Uh, I, I just don't think he's going to be able to make the throws for that, that Monken offense to work effectively in year one. Think wow. time, maybe. But, and then I worry a little bit about the defense. There's no designated – I mean, unless you believe in Ojabo, there's really nobody on that on – that No, they have zero there. pass rush. Their, their strength uh, is completely and utterly their back seven, not their front right. seven. And, Patrick and Queen on, top five in the league. Pat, 
below Patrick Queen, the bottom ten. So yep, and and with Marlon Humphrey being hurt, I, I mean, I just, Jimmy Smith I just is up questions. there in age now. Like you know, I I agree with you. I just have questions. So, I just think and, offensively, you know, right? Just like we talked about the Browns, if everything clicks, you're talking about a healthy Lamar season. I've seen Lamar be an NFL passer. I'll, I'll be honest, five yep. years into his career, the whole he's not an NFL passer thing is ridiculous. As someone who it took me pretty much until early this year after the Super Bowl to really accept that Jalen Hurts is a guy, we got to stop with the Lamar is, an, Lamar is an NFL passer. He hasn't had NFL receivers. Let's be all the way real about that. Name me an out. NFL receiver that Lamar Jackson's had in his career, and I want you to think how no, many you're so You're now right, you have a guy now. like Odell who's coming off an ACL tear, but pre-ACL tear was a top 10 receiver again, at one point. Again, that's been a minute. No, <laughs> no, don't say that. Because if you think about it, he sat out last year, right? But mm-hmm. the last game he played in was the Super Bowl. And let's not forget, he was cooking in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but before that, but right before, so you had that nice little run right there at the end with the Rams. Yep. But before that... He was he was, he was he was playing he was before he was not before that he was playing with no disrespect Chris cra- trash Baker Mayfield who for some reason <laughs> could not get him the ball it didn't well. make any sense but Eli Manning could get him the ball but Baker Mayfield couldn't get him the ball I still say it was a Stefanski scheme as opposed to him exactly and I think Monica will now be able to curtail this Zay Flowers who was my steal in fantasy I think yeah I yeah, think yeah, yeah. he's going to be uh be, I think he's going to be the best rookie receiver first of all. Out of all the oh, five guys that got drafted in the first round, I've just seen him, the way he cuts, the way he makes route, he is the perfect NFL slot receiver. He is a black West Walker. Like, he, yep. to me, like he can run every route in the route tree. He can beat you over the top. He can beat you underneath. He can do whatever you need to do. So whatever ODB can't do that day based on who he's playing against, you can get Zay Flowers to do it. That is immensely. He was, he was, he was my number one receiver in the draft last year, absolutely. Yep. And so, I, had him, I had him even above JSN just because of the uh, – uh, health concerns. Exactly. And so for me, another head. another piece people are forgetting is Chris brought it up earlier when we were talking about tight end duos is Likely and Andrews are nothing to sneeze at. That is a top five tight end duo in the league, and they're not five. Let's well, start. And then you also have to think, and this is the funny thing, is Rashad Bateman was, was a beast before getting hurt. He was turning that corner. So now if you're asking him to be the third best receiver on this team, possibly fourth, I think he thrives in that role. And then don't forget so. that this team can also still at for nothing else. If this run, if this passing offense, like you said, he just can't pick up Monica's system. He's just still not making the right throws. They can still run the ball for almost 150, 200 a game in their sleep. You know, it's it's one of the things I say about like the Dolphins. Yes. So remember, you know, we all used to sit around and play Madden, right? Yes. Back before it sucked. The first thing one of my buddies did, he would always play the Cowboys, and this is back when they had Tony Romo. The first thing he would do is say, hey, man, we're turning off injuries. I would be like, what? No, because if you hit Tony Romo, he's going to get hurt, right? Yep, that but was always he, how it worked, he man. Say, yep, but he was turning off injuries. I was like, no, man, that's not cool. If you could turn off injuries, the Dolphins have the best starting 22 in the league, but they ain't going to have it at the end of the year, right? That's fair. And I kind of feel that way about these Ravens. Like, yeah, man, Dobbins, Bateman, Odell, all these cats on that offensive line, if I could turn off injuries, I'm in. Hell, even Lamar. But, man, tell me who's playing in December. So that, that's my worry for that Ravens team. That's why I have them on the way out. The reason <laughs> – but, all right, so the reason I picked between the Ravens and the Bengals, right, is it came down to these teams are very slimmer. They are tied at the hip. They are the anime – I don't know if you're an anime guy, Jeff, but they are the anime characters that have been tied together since the beginning of time, right? They yes, beat up yes, on sir. each other these last – 
I want to say four years, and then obviously you inserted Burrow, and then the Bengals kind of fought back the last couple of years. I saw a team last year that without Lamar not only made the playoffs, but with um, Tyler Huntley gave Cincinnati everything they could handle in a playoff game. I would argue that if you say, if you take both quarterbacks away from each roster, right, and do you trust in what either one of those rosters do and had to do for an extended amount of time, I trust the Ravens coaching staff and their scheme more. So that's my argument. If anything, I agree with you. The Ravens could be hurt, but I also could say the Bengals are already hurt, right? So if these two teams are hurt, who do I trust more to patch it together and limp to the finish line? It's the Ravens. I think that's a fair assumption, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I think so. I that's my only thing because I agree with you. The injuries are going to happen to both teams. They both have that luck. But I, but like yep. I said, I also know Tyler Huntley knows that system, and much and much isn't going to change about what they do versus with. I don't even know who the backup for the Cincinnati Bengals is right now. Do you? Uh, well, it's not Trevor Simeon. He just got cut. Exactly. Uh, some kid. So if it's Burrow can't play Week One or Burrow goes down again, that season's over. Oh, Whereas yeah. uh, if you lose Lamar yeah. for five weeks, you can survive at three oh, and go God, three and two. Oh God, Jake Browning. Who? Jake Browning. Who is that? <laughs> uh, Do you Washington see my point here, Jeff? On why yeah, I agree no, with you. I agree with you. But if Burrow goes down, it's over. If Lamar yeah. goes down, there's a chance. I, 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 dude, I agree. Uh, I think you know, like I said, I think when we when we look at those things, you have to say, what do I think is going to happen? And then, you know, worst-case scenario, best-case scenario, and you just kind of land somewhere in the middle exactly. on all of that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a lot of teams. It's, you know, I kind of feel that way. Like, I'm a little worried. Let's just get to this. I'm a little worried about your Eagles. A little. A little. Okay. I would love uh, to hear the concerns. About my own concerns. A little worried about the age. A little worried about, you know, had a hard time stopping the run last year, and you just lost Javon Hargrave. Now, you got baby Rhino. I know it's good, but <laughs> and you also you, have Warren Sapp Jr. Yeah, and and you've got to have like those guys have all got to step up. Um, I think you're asking a lot of young kids to step into roles and compete at a level. You know, linebackers are young, the safeties are question marks. Um, you know, that spine of that defense worries me a little bit. And then new coordinators. You know, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Come to the defensive side, but um, you know, there's just there's just questions, and then you have the Super Bowl hangover and all this stuff. Um, I'm not saying they're, uh, you know, they're not better than Dallas. I mean, they are better than Dallas. That's without question. Dallas has the same problems they always do, um, where they're not going to be able to stop the run. They're not going to be able to, you know, their third, their backup running back and undrafted free agent, their third string running back is an eighth grader. So I don't know what you do about that, but. Um, I love Deuce Vaughn, but whew, uh, I don't know if I'm ready to hand him the the, the reins. So, man, I, I think it's, there's just so much variance. And the NFC, you know, there's no, like, super teams really, right? I mean, you got you got the Eagles, people, a lot of people picking the Niners, but both those teams I think could have warts. And then when you get past that, I, man, it's, it's anybody's guess. The Seahawks could step up. The Packers could step up. The Lions could step up. It's it's going to be a lot of fun uh, in, in the NFC East, you know, to figure out who – or the NFC, to figure out who's going to lose to my Jets in the Super Bowl. It'll be great. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, yeah. You know I had to get that in there. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. All right, Jeff. <laughs> we appreciate the call, man. 
All right, brother. Y'all be good. All right, yeah. Take it easy. Drive safely down there. Yes, sir. All right. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, Sports for the Culture. We want to call to join the discussion. The number is 215-763-9596. But you want to know something though, about the NC North that what? You f- the biggest omission. We didn't talk about the Steelers at all. So in my opinion, it's going to be a playoff team this year. No, no, no. Well, we, I mean, I figured once we got off the phone with Jeff, he kind of brought the idea of it up. Obviously, I spoiled that. I feel yeah, like – Yeah, like – I think – listen, here's the thing. I agree with that. I think Baltimore is going to win this division. I also think Pittsburgh is going to be right on their heels also. Yes. Because from what I've been seeing in terms of slowly at the end of the season, you begin saw Kenny Pickett beginning to pick it up. Yes. Offensive line is young. You obviously couldn't really open up lanes really that much for Najee Harris. I think with another year of gelling – that running game with him, Jalen Warren, it's going to get better. Yeah, Warren being the more explosive kind of thun- lightning to his thunder. Yes. Um, George Pickens is obviously a 50-50 ball guy. Deontay Johnson is obviously your Underrated. One. Yes. Fire moves really underrated as well. They have some really good Dude, pass- we haven't even talked about Darnell Washington, who looks like he's going to be a freak. Dude, they, have, they, have, they, also have a, they also have a reliable veteran, Allen Robinson. Dog, they, Allen Robinson is their third receiver. Yes. That's nuts. Yeah, well. Honestly, like, if you line it up-wise, they're probably going to be outside. And Johnson's probably going to be in the slot, which. I mean, Johnson could, honestly should be an X, but, you know, I'll, I'll, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, well, I, I think it will, like, a 12, 12 personnel. Well, it just depends. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, for three-yard receivers, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah, but I think, like, matchup-wise, like, Johnson in the slot going up against the slot corners, that, that's a matchup nightmare. Right that's there. eating. Yeah, yeah, he's going to eat whoever that slot corner yeah. is alive. And then we haven't even talked about their defense. Like, they were still in playoff contention even when T.J. Watt was hurt. Exactly. And now, so, and like you guys talked about, like you know, like even when Baltimore was like still alien, like a team that was like half dead. Cincinnati, uh, the Steelers were kind of the same way, and they were still just almost made it on the last day as well. So if you're telling me you get a full healthy, full seventeen games out of Kenny Pickett and that offense with a fully healthy TJ Watt for those seventeen games, that's a ten eleven win team that's going to the postseason easily. Yes. No, for sure. Um, and don't be surprised if they upset somebody. Because when you think of, right, a team that could beat the Chiefs, right? You say the Chiefs are the champs. You measure the best team. You're the champs until you lose. We were just talking about that in baseball. So now you're like, what do we have to do to beat the Chiefs? You have to put pressure on Mahomes. Obviously, turf be the, turf turf willing, we would have been the best candidate for that. I would argue the Steelers are right there behind us. Yeah. We're just arguing matchup for matchup. Now, do I think the Steelers can score with the Chiefs? That remains to be seen if Kenny stacks that next step. But I think they could easily get the pressure required on Mahomes to make it hard on him. It, dep- uh, it also depends if Chris Jones is there or not. If Jones isn't there, then they're playing complimentary football and they're running it down um, the Chiefs' throat. That's true. So you're talking ball control and pass rush? That's how you beat the Chiefs. Yes. Ask the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, one of, they're the only team that have done it. In the playoffs. No, I'm sorry. In Cincinnati. And both teams used ball control and opportunistic pass rush on the, on, on Mahomes. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess since we kind of talked mostly about the AFC North with Jess, let's, uh, let's slide to the worst division and um, in the AFC. Second worst. Well, oh, wait, you're talking about division? Oh, you're talking about the AFC? Or yeah, in the AFC. Oh, okay, I was talking about overall. I'm oh, no, 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 AFC, yeah, no, the AFC South. I'm about to say the South got something to say. The South I mean. got something to, in both divisions. <laughs> so the AFC South, which is going to be an interesting division. Obviously, you got your boy, Buckeye, Mr. Buckeye himself, C.J. Stroud, week one starter. 
Um, you obviously Anthony Richardson, week one starter in Indianapolis. Yeah. And you got Ryan Tannehill, the incumbent starter in Tennessee. And then you got the best quarterback in the division. By Trevor default. by default, Trevor Lawrence over there in Jacksonville. Um, we both think Jacksonville's gonna win this division, right? Yes. Okay. Interesting thing would be if Houston decided to play and kind of be the second thing. Now, the least interesting thing, and I think people are going to hear, is the Tennessee Titans are probably going to be a nine-win team. At least. And I can see them winning 10 or 11. Derrick Henry's healthy. DeAndre Hopkins is still DeAndre Hopkins. Do not get it messed up. Ryan Tannehill can get the ball to a receiver. The the reason big, listen, here's the thing. You want to know why this team went on a seven-game slide? And A.J. Brown. Huh? A.J. Brown. No. What? Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Yep. They were fielding Malik Willis, who they wouldn't even let throw a forward pass. That was insane. Yeah. And was it Josh Dobbs also? Their their other backup, yes. Yeah. So this team was seven and two last year. I think people forget that. Yeah. So if you're telling me that if Rabel is gonna design like a scheme to keep Ryan Tannehill on the field, throwing to Derrick Henry, and now you have DeAndre Hopkins who upgrades literally the worst wide receiver room in Football last year with the second season coming into Trey Burks. I was going to say, Traylon Burks was not terrible last year. Yeah. And the defense is still, relati- still relatively respectable. Exactly. They're, s- they're not going to be as bad as people think they are. They're not. And I would argue that if they can pick on the Colts and the Texans, that's four wins right there. Yeah. You're telling me you can't see them eking out five wins? Within their conference alone? Let alone, I don't know who what division they play in the NFC, but let's just assume they play the NFC South. That's a 10-11 win team. Yes. You know what I mean? So um, I'm not I'm not as worried about their 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 floor as people are. It's their ceiling. Like, can they – now, if this is a team that wins 10 or 11 games, do I think they're a first-round exit? Absolutely. But they're probably going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Indianapolis, I'm interested to see what well, my opinion, looks the, like. The t- oh. If you want to make the playoffs in the South, you got to win the division. Not because I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I think Trevor Lawrence. I think this, I think the Jacksonville is going to be an 11 or 12 win team. I think Jacksonville is going to fight for the one seed. I legit mean that because if you go, if you think right now, just think of the AFC. Who are the teams in your mind that are going to fight for the one seed? The Chiefs. Right. I'm gonna start right there. Is anybody else in your mind guaranteed to fight for the one seed past the Chiefs? Like guaranteed. You know the Chiefs are guaranteed 11 wins. Barring Patrick going down. You mean knowing what I already know, like fully what everybody think and what I think everyone's going to be? Knowing what you already know. Like, in your mind, you want to say the Chargers, but I've never seen it. You want to you, – you're right. Who else? You go, let's go division by division. You want to say Buffalo, but we just talked about them taking a step back. Yeah. They took a step back in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll argue that because simply because – the north, uh, the north and the east are gonna beat the crap out of each other. Exactly. So and then you got a Jaguars team that is probably slated to win at least five games in that division alone. Twelve wins doesn't sound crazy. It doesn't. Peterson's gonna have T. Law as co confident in that offense. Calvin really is about to change the game with the offense. Be honest, Zay Jones, Calvin really, Christian Kirk. Unless you're talking about, like, us, Miami. Evan Ingram, Travis, Dal- Tra- Evan Ingram, Travis, ETN. Unless you're talking about us, Miami, Dallas, Kansas City. Now you say Kansas City because Kansas City's receiver rooms is trash now. Who has a better offensive weapon core than what you just named? What do I just name? 
Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's look at their schedule. Uh, week one, they started off against the Colts. Then the Chiefs in Jacksonville, which is obviously a big game because Chris Jones is out. You got Texans. Oh, God, they play. They do play the NFC's. NFC South. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. So, honestly, just by gauging, their toughest games are probably going to be the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Steelers, the 49ers, okay. and the Ravens. And, and like Jeff was talking about, is that a healthy Ravens? Is that a Ravens with Tyler Huntley? Yeah, and, <laughs> and probably Cleveland. But at that point, you know, half their defense might be dead. So Exactly, and Deshaun might be just so disheveled. Like, you never know. So this is a team that has a first-place schedule, but it don't look like no first-place schedule. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think 12 wins isn't crazy. So I could argue that they're going to be the two-seed. So that's my bold prediction for that division. Yeah, now, but, I, but I do got a question, though. If they, do, they win the Super Bowl. Are they going to accept the WWE championship belt? Mm. <laughs> because you know what I know, because know what you know. I mean, it would. I mean, the only thing I would say is Tony Khan better come out with that AEW World Title with the Jacksonville symbol on it. That's all I'm saying. That's that's thorough. Yeah. Put that right on Trevor Lawrence's arm. Here you go, bro, big bro, good brother. He's like, funny. Kyle really like, what's up, guys? He was like, yo, why you? He was like, no. What's... I'm gonna tell you this, and I know it didn't look like it because of the score in that playoff game. A more experienced Trevor Lawrence with the way Doug Peterson was coaching that team and add additions on defense, the additions they had on offense. I'm tell all right, I'm gonna say something. They are the team most equipped to beat the Chiefs. I really do believe that. They can score with them. They have a pass rush. The Chiefs don't have any receivers anymore, bro. Name me a Chiefs receiver. Travis Kelsey. I mean, look. You keep doing this, but the 34-year-old finds his way to be open for eight catches in 110 yards. No, I'm not saying that he doesn't count as a number one target. I'm saying after that, it's pretty bad. Like, last year it was like, all right, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, Juju. It's like, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin is your best receiver. That's not named Travis Kelsey. That's bad, bro. Sky Moore. Yeah, but listen, here's the thing. You're also talking about Andy Reid. Andy Reid schemed an offense that made the three NFC title games, and our number one wide receiver was a guy. Was a guy that was afraid to catch the ball over the middle with Todd Pinkston. You think Todd was our number one receiver over over James Trash? Doesn't really matter. We're splitting hairs. I mean, fair, <laughs> fair. I mean, it was Todd really Pinkston, it was, James Trash, Freddie Mitchell. It was really Chad Lewis. That should tell you. It, it was technically Brian Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty work. Keep it a bean. Nasty. Followed work. by Deuce Staley. Nasty work. <laughs> Followed by Corral Buckhalter. I forget the monsters, but. I wish I had more time. Anyway. <laughs> but, no, I can see it. But, listen, we've seen this whole cheese song and dance thing before. And until I see it not work, like, who knows? Like, Sky Moore could be a 1,000-yard receiver this year, and this whole thing could be new. Easily. Like, the way, from what I've been seeing, Justin Ross is finally healthy, and he's been cooking this, cooking this, cooking this off-train again. Exactly. And then... If Kadarius Tony comes back healthy, then we'll see. Like, there's a reason why the guy was a, a top end pick. Exactly. So, but yeah, um, Jacksonville's going to win this division. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to be right behind them. And Houston's going to fight for a lot of wins. But that, as of right now, that offensive line's not looking good. Like, Kenyon Green has been officially been put on IR. 
And I'm like, oh, my God. That's like your second best offensive lineman. And yeah. I'm like, CJ. Oh, CJ's going to be running for his life. Yeah. But you kind of figured that. Yeah. See, yeah, but it's going to be it's gonna be fun to watch. Like, CJ, John Mechie, Nico Collins. Tank Dell. Tank Dell, Damian Pierce. It's going to be. Is there any reason for you to watch the Colts in your mind? Can you make up a reason in your mind to watch the Colts? If you're a Florida fan. Why? Because Richardson? Yes. Just in general? Just yeah. seeing his progress? Yes. And if you're just a Colts fan, that's it. But if you're not really a Colts fan, then, my God, this is going to be a really long season for you. No, they're going to lose a lot of games, but I think Richardson's going to be more exciting than people are thinking. I think he's going – I put it to you like this. I think the offensive player of the year is probably going to be a skill position player. I think we can agree with that. Yeah. But I think he's going to be closer in that race than you think because he's going to have every – like, he would have to struggle mightily for them to go to Gardner Minshew. Like, all right, put it like this. It would have to be apparent that the rest of the team was good enough to make the playoffs and that the only thing holding them back is the difference between what he's doing and what Gardner's doing. To be honest, the only way – I don't think they go to Gardner regardless. I think the only way it'll do that is like, okay, 15 games, we've seen enough. We don't want you to get hurt. And then just put Garner in. Exactly. Because then at that point, if you put yourself in the top five pick position, then you can get yourself a top wide wide receiver or, like, you could improve your offensive line, which really needs a massive retooling. True enough. So, like, please, learn from the mistakes of what you did from Andrew Luck. Please do that. Yeah. Put, some, put some guys around. I mean, if we're talking about a team that's on Marvis Harrison Jr. watch, Colts. They have the schedule to suck enough. They're probably going to be just good enough to be in the five to eight range, which I think we agree Marvin's probably going to go in that range, depending on who rises or falls in the draft board over the next year. They're the perfect MHJ team. We're just starting this watch out for a year out. Obviously, him being a Philly kid, him being the son of Marvin Harrison, him being a Buckeye, so Chris is invested in that way. We really want to see MHJ in the league, and we want to see what he's going to be. Him in a Colts uniform would be awesome. Him wearing 88 would be even more awesome. Yeah, I get permission. <laughs> Him wearing 8 will be fire. Is anybody wearing 8 now? On the Colts? Yeah. If they are, I mean, let's be real. Run that number. Run that number, my boy. But, yeah, no, him and the Colts, I was just thinking about it. Like, where? Well, last time we had a discussion, I'm like, what teams can he go? What teams can he go? So, and once the Colts got Anthony Richard, I'm like, man, pairing him up with that guy in that arm, giving him that young guy to grow with and learn with and win with. I love watching teams develop and win together. Like, watching Marvin Harrison and Peyton grow up together was awesome. Watching, getting to watch T-Law and, you know, Christian Kirk grow up. Well, not Christian. Well, Christian Kirk grew up together. Kirk, Kirk came in, what, 2020? Yeah. Yeah. And then even now with um, really over there, really only came in, what, 2019, 2018? Yeah. So that's a young offense, man. ETN's young. T-Law's young. Their line's only getting better. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Man. Yeah. And, uh, and last but certainly not least, AFC West. Last, I mean, last but certainly least, the AFC West. Obviously, the Chiefs are going to win this division. Notice we everything else has been a prediction. The Chief, this is not a prediction. This is not a prediction, Chris. It's a spoiler. In the mortal words of the great Paul Heyman, the Chiefs are going to win this division, barring Patrick Mahomes losing his leg. And most people are like, he could get injured. I literally mean he would have to lose his leg for them not to win this division. Uh, so... In all interest to not dwell on who the Chiefs are because screw them because they still beat us in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the other three teams in the division. Let's start with the worst team in the division last year. The Denver the, Broncos. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, my AFC team, 
John Elway is my favorite player ever. If you know anything about me, my football, the first football I ever watched. They are probably the hardest team to like gauge because, like, I understand. I like the move they get to Sean Payton, you know, the whole Sean Payton, you know, making Drew Brees, rise to prominence kind of thing. Hopefully he could, you know, do the same at the tail end of Russell Wilson's career. But that being said, Jerry Judy's once again hurt. Uh, offensive line really hasn't gotten any better. I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be a really another long season for the Broncos. I can see them winning six games. I can see them winning ten. That's pretty much my favorite prediction. Is like if Russell Wilson can be Russell Wilson from two years ago, we're talking. If Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson from last year, Sean Payton may actually hit him over the head with a tablet. So, um, I know that's really a cop-out answer. I'm anxious to see Jerry Judy. Is he going to make that next step? Because remember, Judy and you Sutton. Know, when, when he comes back. Yeah. Judy and Sutton were supposed to be this next great duo, and it's like still haven't seen him on the field yet. K.J. Hamler's kind of a waste of space. So, like, this receiving core that was supposed to be. Remember, last year or the year before last, 2021, people were telling us that this was a plug-and-play team, but then you lose Tim Patrick, you lose Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler's nowhere to be found. You gave up Noah Fant. Javante Williams is coming back off the ACL injury. This could get real ugly real fast. Now, the team I really want to talk about that I think has a shot to do something in this division, the Raiders. You think the Raiders? Hear me out. This is a team that towards the end of the year went on a run and almost made the playoffs. Josh McDaniels is not this horrible play caller, and I think he started to be able to get to these guys. I think Garoppolo with Adams is the perfect thing because Garoppolo has more – Aaron Rodgers in him than Derek Carr does. And what I mean by that is not the off-scheduling plays, but Aaron Rodgers, a lot of his greatness is making the throws you should make. And I think people forget that. Yes, he makes the throws people can't make, but also he makes a lot of throws you should make. The man lived off slants for how many years in Green Bay, bro? The Green Bay slant. You played Madden for years just like I have. How many times have you thrown that Green Bay slant with Aaron Rodgers? Too many to count. Exactly. You think Garoppolo can't throw slants to Devontae Adams? You think Garoppolo can't throw slants to Hunter Renfro to Jacoby Myers? I rest my case. Josh Jacobs is the top five running back in this league. The only thing I would say is if that defense can hold up, and it doesn't even need to be great. The pass rush is so – Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are the most underrated pass rush during the league, and you know it. Okay, but name someone else on that defense besides those two. When your pass rush is top five in the league and producing sacks, you don't need to do anything else. So they're going to play every single snap? Pretty much. Oof. And they did darn near last year if you look up their snap counts. I'm sorry, I can't see this team winning no more than seven games. That's crazy. To me. I'm sorry, like they they won eight games last year and got better, or seven. They won seven games last year and got better. Yeah, and I'm sorry, not everybody in the AFC can win ten games. No, and I don't think everybody in the AFC is winning ten games either. Yeah. And that's what they like. Offensively, they're going to be fine. Obviously, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro is hopefully healthy. If, but also, I really like their pick in Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. He a lot like before the season started, before Don Kincaid, like, and I don't know like how Don Kincaid got drafted over him, but Michael Mayer literally was a lot tighter one on like a lot of people's board before the draft even started. So that's a that's a golden offense. That being said, you still got to play defense. No, you do. Yeah, and the Raiders <coughs> over the years, granted, this is not granted. This has nothing to do with Josh McDaniels. It had literally do everything with the regime before him, John Gruden and Mike Mayer. They burnt a lot of picks defensively that did not pan out. Clinton Farrell didn't pan out. Damian Arnett didn't pan out. Ugh. So there is a lot oh, of – Gruden screwed them. Yeah, Gruden, Gruden and Mayo screwed them. Yeah. So it's just too much 
that they've lost. I mean, they hit on Darren Waller. And where's Darren Waller now? I mean, that was more so about contracting and him staying healthy. It was nothing like he wasn't a productive. I'm just naming someone to hit. Yeah, but, like, I'm, it's, it's – Hit on Josh Jacobs, too. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, it's just this weird combination where it's like, okay, you got Max Crosby, who's, you know, obviously your young veteran, who's, like, your young pass rusher. You got Chandler Jones, who's your veteran pass rusher. And then after that, it's just nine other guys on your defense. And also, Jimmy Garoppolo is, like, is not really a young man anymore. He's entering 31. Devontae Adams is also 30. So there's this weird combination where it's like – they have a bunch of young talent. They burned a lot of picks, and they also have a bunch of veterans. So it's like during that weird spectrum of like, okay, if everything pans out, we could be a playoff team. You know what team they sound like? What? The 2017 Eagles. No one was picking us to win our division. We had a bunch of mix of veteran leaders, young guys who had some talent, and guys kind of sitting in the middle. We made some under-the-radar off-seasons. I'm not saying that the Raiders are tw- – please do not aggregate this and saying that I'm saying that the 2023 Raiders are going to be the 2017 Eagles. But teams come out of no every – all right, not every team can win 10 games, right? But not every team that was good last year is guaranteed to be good this year. Injuries happen. Regression happens. And not every team that was either bad or middling last year is is going to be bad. Someone someone goes from worst to first, and someone goes from first to worst every year. Okay. Why can't the Raiders make the playoffs? I didn't say that. Why can't they squeak in at nine or eight? That sounds crazy to you. Okay, but here's okay. So yeah, how many teams do you have? How many teams do you have in the playoffs going? I have a lot of teams that could make the playoffs. So we're talking about could. If you're asking what my playoff picture is right now, it'd be ridiculous. But if you, but if I had to say, I'd say the Chiefs are a lock. That's it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The Chiefs are my only lock in the AFC. Every other six spots so are Jacksonville open. Jacksonville is a lock for you? No, Jacksonville is not a lock. Even with everything you were saying. Everything I was saying because I could see a situation where Tennessee balls out. We just talked about that. And I could also see a situation where Jacksonville somehow loses dumb games to uh, Indianapolis and Houston. So, like I said, there's scenarios. There's best case scenarios, yes, Jacksonville's a 12-13 win team. Worst case scenarios, they regress and we crown T-Law a year too early and they're a 5-6 win team. For example, the Raiders are. Best case scenario is, and I'm saying best case scenario because I'm saying if they maximize their talent, that's a 10-11 win team. Worst case scenario is it's a three-win team, and they fire McDaniels and blow it up. Vontae wants to get traded again. So it's like I'm just saying to you that if you're saying that there's no world you can see the Raiders being good, that's ridiculous. Like certain teams you just know are going to be bad. Like the Colts are going to be bad. Houston's going to be bad. I'm saying that middle teams, like a lot, like most of the NFL, there's teams you can see. Detroit, you can see them being really good. Or they could suck again. Much as we love Detroit. Green Bay could be pretty darn good. Or they could suck again. Minnesota won 13 games. But I could also see them winning five this year. Okay, let me ask you this question. Where do you see the Rams at? The Rams are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. But I also could see them winning eight games somehow. Because you still got Cooper Cuck, you still got Stanford, you still got Aaron Donald. The entire makeup of... And this is a hot take. The entire, the entire makeup of the, of the Rams as of right now is kind of similar to what, what, what Vegas is right now. Would you argue – so which team is more talented right now on paper? Raiders. Just just off just offhand, right? Yeah. Okay. I, so we agree that if the Rams could win, at best case scenario, eight games, why is it crazy for me to say the Raiders' best case scenario? I'm not even saying they're guaranteed. My take was – No, to me, I just think, they know, I just think they're over under seven games. That's me. So we're around the same range. I just am taking the over, and I'm not even taking crazy over. I'm saying nine games. For a guy who just said a team could win seven games, you think two wins can be squeaked? This is a team that won a, a, a walk-off 86-yard touchdown in overtime. 
This is a team that freaking won a, a, a game on a Chandler Jones pick, pick six. That's two dumb wins right there. That's all I'm saying. And now, if I would have said, yo, the Raiders are my sneak pick to win this division, you could have went on this rant and ground me up, for sure. I'm saying that if there's a team that's going to be down the stretch, people thought the Steelers were going to suck last year. Steelers went 6-2 and two down the stretch and was a game away from them. They won. I forgot what they needed to happen. Somebody else needed to lose for them to make the playoffs. But they did everything they could in their power. Same thing with Detroit. Okay. Detroit was supposed to suck last year. Okay. Right. And I would argue if Jamison Williams didn't get hurt, they probably could make the play- could have made the playoffs. All right. Week one, do you have them beating Denver? Yes, I actually do. At mile high? Yes. B- beating Buffalo? Winnable game. I think Buffalo probably wins that game. Steelers? Winnable game. Chargers? Winnable game. It's a division game. A division game is winnable. That would be like saying, could Washington beat us? Yes. They did it last year. They weren't supposed to. It's a division game. Pack. It's not crazy for me to say that's winnable. All right, fine, Packers. Winnable. Patriots. Winnable. Chicago. Winnable. Detroit. Winnable. Giants. Jets. Probably a loss, but I'll say winnable. Jets. Winnable. Dolphins. Winnable. Chiefs twice. Probably losses. Vikings. Winnable. Chargers again. Winnable. And the, damn, the Colts? Exactly. What is Dante? You just read that schedule and thought, all right, the Chiefs are the two hardest games in your head. And they're divisional games. Who plays the hard? Who in the NFL plays the Raiders, the Chiefs the hardest? Who plays the Chiefs? Who plays the Chiefs the hardest and closest every time? Chargers. Who does the second? Denver. Exactly. You smiling because you know exactly what I'm getting at. All of those games you named were winnable. That's what a middling team is. A bad team would have been, oh, that's a loss. That's a loss. Just like a good team. We were doing the Eagles schedule like next week or when we get to Dallas or when we get to Chiefs, it'll be that's probably a win. That's probably a win. I'm saying all of these games are winnable. None of these games are like, man, the Raiders might get cooked in this game. Defensively, they're going to get cooked. Okay, a lot of teams have terrible defenses. Who really has an elite defense these days? Please tell me. Jets. Okay. Steelers. Are the Jets defense really elite? You mean the Jets team that could, that had two turnovers the last nine games of the season? I mean the Jets. De- right, the pick. team who won the Super Bowl didn't even have an elite defense, Chris. They had an elite defensive player. The team who won the last two Super Bowls didn't have an elite defense, Chris. The team who won the last three Super Bowls didn't have an elite defense, Chris. You're not you're not going to sit here and tell me the Rams didn't have an elite defense. They didn't. They had two great defensive players. Stop that. You are stopped right now. And uh, I'm sorry, and they have Von Miller being able to get one-on-ones because people were doubling Aaron Donald. Because you see Von Miller ain't been the same boy in Buffalo. Yeah, because he tore his ACL. He also played a full year with them, and they lost. And then he, he tore his ACL the second year. He tore his ACL the first year, man. No, he signed with them 2021. No, after the 2021 season, right? Yes. Wait. No, he was on the team the following We'll look this up off here. Okay, no, Dang. yeah. But Dang, we only got a minute left. Oh, crap. All right. Well, no, we, what other division were we forgetting? Oh, no, it's not that. It's like, uh, just forgot to do. Like, real quick, RIP to Bray Wyatt. Oh, yeah. Dang, yes. Rest in peace, Bray Wyatt. We'll do a proper tribute and talk about him next week on the show. Um, great discussion. We got through the entire AFC pretty much exactly on time. Yeah. And once again, this is Chris Thomas. It's been Jamal Thomas. You're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern on 98.5 WJYN. Until next time, we will see you next week. Yes, sir. Peace out.